Hello and welcome to Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast. I'm your host, Philip, and I'm here with my co-partner, Nave. Each pod, we play through cooperative experience and relate to you, the listener, if this game is the criminal to criminal co-op or something better off playing solo. Hey, Nave. It's the new year, Philip. you have any it New is. Year's resolutions? Yeah, we talked about them in our New Year's episode. My New Year's resolution. I'm going to beat 100 games this year. I don't care, Philip. What's yours? My New Year's resolution is getting more guests on the podcast. We have a guest today. We do? Yes, it is Ryan Turford from the Xbox Drive and RPG Cave over at Carpool Gaming. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I hope you guys are having you know a wonderful, wonderful beginning of 2023. I mean, I'm I'm excited to to be here because honestly, I it's been a long time since I've guested on another podcast. I haven't been on another podcast since besides Carpool Gaming podcast in a in a while. So it's cool to actually be able to branch out a little bit and be on a podcast with you all tonight. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Definitely feels good. Like just like you have no hands on the steering wheel. You're just letting things happen. I, I, I really enjoy going over to other shows as well. And hopefully maybe we can do uh, Xbox Drive or something because we're some Xbox boys. Right, Philip? Yeah, we also drive cars. Nave drives a car for his job, actually, as a mailman. Oh, yeah. Y'all say that, that like you're trying to to you know get be nice Solicit. to me, but I, I don't drive. Yeah. I don't even have a driver's license. So oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those things where Sean's the one that drives on the show, and then I'm the one who you know drives the show in quotations from home. That's the, see, we, we're all about you know dad joke catch lines. Uh, oh yeah. That show. So very much that that that's my driving experience is that or playing you know driving video games. So I'm definitely not a car person. That's for sure. Which, with your shows, like you have the RPG Cave and Carpool Gaming, Xbox, Carpool, Xbox Drive, that's it. Since you have an Xbox and an RPG podcast, I wanted to ask you what the number one Xbox RPG is. Lost Odyssey or Too Human? <laughs> I love that that's a question because, no, it's not, it's obviously not Too Human. I mean, it could, it's not it could too be, human? I'm sure there's probably someone out there who thinks that Two Human is the best RPG on Xbox, but it's probably not many people because obviously Lost Odyssey is definitely better. Now, I will say, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, I don't even think that Lost Odyssey is the best best RPG Ooh. on Xbox. I mean, in fact, it's like maybe in the top 10 or top 20 X, uh, like RPGs on Xbox. Although if you're talking about exclusive RPGs, that does, you know, that narrow the for window Xbox. a lot more. Yeah. Um, but even, even if you consider first party RPGs, um, I think it, I, I think it might be a, a little bit better, but it's definitely like of the exclusive RPGs on Xbox. It's definitely one of the better ones. If Tales of Vesperia was still exclusive, I might actually present the argument that Tales of Vesperia is even a better game than, than Lost Odyssey. Um, or at least I just prefer it more. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of good RPGs on Xbox and Lost Odyssey is definitely a good one. I mean, it's really like the, the quote unquote real Final Fantasy 13. Uh, even though I'm, the, I'm actually the person who actually likes Final Fantasy 13 a lot more than a lot of Thank other you. people do. Oh, no. I think 13 is very <laughs> respectable as a maybe not like a Final Fantasy per se, but as like a JRPG, I enjoyed it. But 13 2 and Lightning Return, like I just started, I just replayed them this year or started yeah. them this year. And it's disappointing. It, it made my game of the year list as big as disappointment. Just because you didn't, you didn't like either Lightning Returns or 13 2? Yeah, I, I like 13 more, even oh. though like the combat is worse. Well, that's one yeah. thing of the highlight. The, the gameplay is significantly worse than 13, but I enjoyed the characters more in 13 one. Yeah, I agree with that, because like I definitely think, for example, the story in Light Returns 
pretty bad. But I don't know. I like the <laughs> gameplay. I like the gameplay a lot in Lightning Returns. Um, like, I, I think it's my favorite of the three as far as combat. Is it concerned. is. It's the best. They definitely refined it down to, like, the way the like the costume. It's kind of silly that you change costumes. It almost feels like Sailor Moon type stuff. But yeah. I love it. I, lo- I like oh. the combat. Yeah, same here. I actually, I believe it or not, I actually dig the idea of having the different costumes. Uh, and some of the weird unlockable costumes that you get in the, that game are like really cool. Or even just the DLC ones that you got with like the costumes from different games. Just have, yeah. have like the Tomb Raider costume in that game. It's just so ridiculous, but also also great because I love Tomb Raider. Uh, it's one of my favorite franchises. So having that in Final in a Final Fantasy game was just so cool. Um, but uh, but that game was, I, yeah, I like Lady of the Ruins a lot, but the, man, the story in that game is, is not great. So I, I agree with you on that point where I think the story in the first one is definitely the best. Which, to keep it in Final Fantasy, I went back to listen to your stuff beforehand because I always, you know, scope out the competition before we get you in here. Mm-hmm. And back in, like, the first episode of RPG Cave, this is, like, I don't know, I remember when you started, like, years ago almost, because like, you've been in the business a while. And you guys like, you know what really needs a remake? Crisis Core. It's trapped on the PSP. It needs to come out. And then I go back and I listen to, like, <laughs> your most recent uh, X-Drive podcast. And you're talking about, like, yeah, man, I've been playing Crisis Core. And I'm like, what a time skip. Like, yeah. this is a serious jump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I never thought it would actually leave the PSP for the longest time. I thought it was just going to get stuck there forever. But uh, I'm glad that they brought it over. Uh, and in fact, I wish they almost did more with the gameplay because I felt maybe Crisis Core the re- Reunion was a little too safe for what I was kind of expecting. Um, but I still, I, I think it was awesome. But yeah, it's uh, honestly, the 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 first episode of the RPG Cave is, uh, it's one of my newer podcasts, actually. Um, and we've only, oh, we've wow. only been doing that one for about, you know, two, two and a half years now. Um, Newer podcast for two and a half well, years. Well, I mean, That's I've, been I've, show. I mean, I've been <laughs> podcasting since 2014 at this point. So oh my uh, God. almost 10 years at this point now, which is kind of scary to think about, but I'm also an old man. So that's, that's kind of how that works. Um, but yeah, like the RPG cave is kind of a newer thing for me. So yeah, take, um, I can imagine like we might see some, some other stuff that we, I talked about a long time ago and then compare like going back and listening to it now and then comparing it to games we might be getting and I was having in us this year, for example, um, might, you know, blow my uh, blow like two years ago, Ryan's mind uh, looking back on things. Which dear listeners home, be sure to go check out all the carpool gaming podcast and the RPG cave links yeah. will be down in the description. Yeah, we don't no. even just have the two podcasts I'm on because they're great. Like Xbox drive is an Xbox podcast and their RPG Cave is an RPG podcast, but we have a Nintendo podcast if you're into Nintendo. We have a PlayStation podcast if you're into into PlayStation. We have an interview series called We the Gamer Cast. Um, so if you're into like even some non-gaming stuff, uh, that's actually a really good show as well. Um, so we have a lot of a lot of cool stuff over at Carpool Gaming. So go check us out there. Nice, nice. So Ryan, we are a cooperative gaming podcast at heart. And this week we're going to be talking about Dark Pictures Anthology, Devil and Me. But since you're a new guest on the show, we get to ask you our signature question. Do you have a notable co-op memory you'd like to share? Like I so, know you talked about World of Warcraft in your podcast. that You played that for a long time. Mm-hmm. But you're also a Final Fantasy XIV fan. you have anything yep. in those veins? So oddly enough, with Final Fantasy XIV, despite the fact that it's an MMO, I hardly ever play that game with people I know in real life. It's mostly... Mostly a very solo experience for me, and then I, and then when there is group content, I'm usually joining random groups or you know, uh, yeah, hugging oh, as the term is called. Um, but 
believe it or not, the, the communion file fantasy 14 is so amazing that honestly, those experiences have always been super smooth and not very toxic or anything like that. So it's, that's always been a, a fun experience. World of Warcraft. I, I, I like ran for years and years and years. Cause I was a guild master uh, for a long time. And we, we were part of some, well, you know, that's serious cooperation. Build. Yeah. Like trying to get a group of, you know, 25 people together to, to try and do all the same thing all at the same time, take some serious coordination, um, but so there are definitely memories with that, but honestly, you know, my favorite co-op memories actually are not at, coming from MMOs, but mostly, Ooh. you know, stuff growing up because, you know, I'm a kid from who grew up in the eighties. Um, so me and my brother, Kyle, we used to go to arcades all the time. And a lot of my special co-op memories, uh, actually are shared with him. And, uh, I remember there was one year where our family decided to go to Universal Studios, Florida, uh, for vacation. And of course, my, my dad made the mistake of walking by this arcade that they had set up at Universal Studios is like, all right, I got to go do something over there because I, I think he was <laughs> I think he may care of my little brother at the time. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, all right, you guys stop in here for the arcade in the arcade in a bit. And I'll come and see, and see you guys in a bit. So uh, Kyle and I um, see this arcade machine for the, the Sega arcade game that y- y'all might not have ever heard of called Virtual On. It's a like nope. a mech uh, arcade uh, game where it, it's similar to like the Gundam series if you're into anime or uh, uh, other mech just shows. Just like Gundam just a, few, yeah. just a few weeks ago. So at the time, him and I both were like really into to mech shows. Uh, so we saw this arcade machine where it's it, it's literally a sick, this sit-down unit with this giant joystick and it felt like you were in like a, a Gundam or a mecha suit. Um, and we had the, so the the object of the game was for us to, uh, you know, fight against other robots. At, so because there were two machines uh, yeah. side by side, and we spent like fifty dollars <laughs> on that machine. It, it it wasn't even just a dollar a play. I think it was like twenty five cents a a play. Like we spent like three hours there, even though we were at Universal Studios. We could have been going on all these rides and doing all kinds of other stuff. But we spent like the whole afternoon playing virtual on and just having a blast with it with this like really fun arcade machine um, back in the day. So of all my co-op memories with with Kyle and and growing up, like I felt like that was actually a really special one and one that was really really memorable for me. Um, so that's actually one of my probably my favorite co-op memory, actually, if, if you had to ask me. I really like how you brought you you brought up uh, arcade machines because that's never come up before. Yeah, like, and that's a new I one. Was kind of, I was kind of hoping you'd say something like Time Crisis, but then you with the with the whole arcade cabinet being built like a uh, the inside of a mech, the cockpit. It really reminded me of all of the awesome arcade machines that I kind of miss. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever played the Silent Scope games. Yeah, that, where they had an actual sniper rifle and there was a miniature screen inside of the scope that was actually a zoomed in part of the screen you were pointing at. I love those games, especially when they had more than one next to each other because you'd be able to fight the person in the other in the other game. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Silent Scope is a lot of fun, and there was a lot of other great arcade machines like that. You know, Terminator Two was another one that we sunk a lot of uh, <laughs> time into because you had you, each of us had like an Uzi, and you're you know, shooting Terminators and trying to protect John Connor. Um, or yeah. we spent a lot of time playing like the Turtles arcade machine or Simpsons and stuff like that. Um, so, like, I think the arcade was like 
a really special time and in place kind of thing for for co-op games and it's actually cool to see um because i don't know if y'all either of y'all been to japan before but um going to japan and seeing you know the arcade culture being alive is still there and actually going to you know the arcades there like the sega arcades and playing you know taiko drum master with each other oh my goodness a bunch of other co-op games um, like it's so special to to be able to to still go play arcade games. Like I, in a lot of ways, I, I think like going to a, a really nice arcade is one of the best co-op experiences you could probably have out there. Um, even though you're not on your comfy couch, there's a lot of great arcade machines out there, and a, a lot of stuff we miss too. Like even uh, stuff you just can't do at at home, like Star Wars Battle Pod or. Um, like any like afterburner and having like the flight yeah. cockpit that actually like flips upside down like stuff like that like you just can't really replicate at home so they have a cockpit that flips upside down like a roller coaster yeah i mean there's so there were standard afterburner ones that uh, cockpit uh machines that didn't move but other ones that you had to like strap yourself in in order to play um <laughs> uh, because they they would like tilt and move like you're flying the plane um in afterburner and, and doing barrel rolls a lot in afterburner was something you really need to do to survive so um I, yeah it was definitely an, a nauseating experience but it's definitely one that you could do so I my only experience with those with the uh, Japanese arcade culture is just from Yakuza. I'm a huge Yakuza fan. And yeah, it, it really I think that I think I read in the news somewhere that Sega is selling a lot of their arcades. And that's so depressing. I, I wonder what, it, what how that's going to affect the, the next Yakuza game. I mean, they'll still probably have arcade machines in the next Yakuza game, but it just will be like you just won't have uh, as much emphasis on it, maybe or. Uh, I don't know. I think it'll be unchanged for the games, but it's just, yeah, it, it's, that's a sad moment, especially because Sega really owns like half the arcades in Japan. And then the other half of them are owned by a different company that I'm, you know, forgetting off the top of my head. Um, so it is kind of a big blow to that industry. Uh, but at the same time, you never know. It might come back around again where people might be going back to arcades. We're already seeing that, you know, here in Toronto where I live, uh, because barcades are, are becoming more and more popular here. Uh, we're, uh, nice. bars will actually ha- turn their bars into arcades and then you know sell alcohol there and then you go there and play a whole unlimited like you usually pay a cover charge of like five bucks and then you just go play arcade games with your friends while you're drinking like wait they're just free game they're just you just play whatever you want yeah like you, they, because the, you pay the cover charge and that covers the the cost of you know maintaining the games um but yeah they, a lot of the like there's one here in toronto called tilt um, that we went to when some of the, the other carpool gaming folks were, were down. Um, and they have, you know, THB Ninja Turtles and Daytona USA and a lot of other arcade machines that are just set up for you ready to play. Um, and you just pay the, the cover charge to get in and you don't have to pop any quarters in, which is really nice because carrying around a lot of quarters is very annoying. <laughs> or having to, or like being down lives in, in like House of the Dead and just having to send somebody out with five bucks. She's like, please, please give me Run more. To the quarter machine. Yeah. But it also could be a fun challenge too, being like, hey, I've only got two dollars and quarters. Can I finish Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the arcade game? Like that's that that's a, a nice way of challenging yourself to see if you can, you know, take as little damage as possible and maybe fight through some of the arcade mechanics that are try that are basically there in those games to try and drain your your your, your <laughs> the, the quarter crunching mechanics. Yeah, yeah, like the little zombie monkeys now it's the dead that immediately hit you as soon as they show up, and I'm just, yeah, it's so annoying. Yeah, or the the one hit kill enemies in uh, in the Simpsons arcade machine, um, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of 
the, the arcade machines are really built around that kind of thing, or especially like light end games in particular. We're like really bad about kind of, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> uh, not so much time crisis, but um, some of the worst ones are definitely like you will you will have enemies that ha- are just giant health pools, and if you get hit twice, um, then you're just you, you're popping another quarter in. So, all right. So I think this is a perfect way to roll into the games we've been playing this week. So we'll start with you, Nave. What have you been playing? I've been a real simple boy for the past. Like, we took uh, probably about a two-week break. We recorded back uh, a couple of episodes. Just been playing Persona 5 the entire time. This game, it's really, really good. <laughs> it's really good. What? No way. You mean the game that's been a cult following forever and X-Boys have just been praying that it comes and shows up on console someday? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's taking up a lot of my time. I'm trying to just get through it. And um, not that it's like negative. It's not. It's like the literal polar opposite of uh, Kingdoms of Amalur, where I was just rushing to get through that game. I'm kind of savoring Persona Five. It's been a nice little uh, escape from reality. And um, I, I put up a poll with a bunch of other games. Like I was like, "What should Nave's next long game be?" And with near uh, near Automata, uh, uh, Lost Judgment, the Yakuza spinoff. Nino Kuni and the new Chained Echoes that's on Game Pass. And which game do you think actually won out of those four, Philip? Uh, well, you told me beforehand that Nino Kuni was in the lead, but based on you asking me, I feel like there's a switch up. So I'm going to go for the the Dark Horse Chained Echoes. What do you think about that, Ryan? What do you think? Uh, have you played actually, any of those he, games? I, I was actually leaning towards Chained Echoes before you said anything. So. I I actually know, I know nothing about Chained Echoes, which exactly. is it's it's kind of my style i like to jump into games and not know anything because that's where you get maximum surprise but what actually surprised me is that near auto tomato snuck in from behind and won by like three votes well that game is fantastic so play it it's a masterpiece yeah well whenever the when uh, i had the poll up for two days and the first day uh nino kuni was winning and it was like 64 percent. it was like a blowout and so when i woke up the next day and saw that near was about to win i was like they the, the the fan base must have pulled one you know what i mean they oh, must yeah. have came out but yeah that's probably going to be the next game that i play hopefully i get some like shorter games in between there i want to move final fantasy record or the uh crisis core. almost said almost a chain of memories crisis core yeah thank you um i want to move crisis core ups after hearing how short it is so that sounds nice i might split slide that in the between those two it's a nice little oreo or reverse oreo <laughs> reverse oreo yeah Crisis Core is a really good game and definitely, definitely on the shorter side too, like he said. So um, if you're looking for an RPG that's not super long, um, I definitely think it's a a worthy pickup. Plus, if you've never played it on PSP, like I think you're going to have a blast with it. I miss the PSP so much. Mine got stolen. Uh, Did you, you, so you had a PSP because you were talking in your first episode about, oh wow. Uh, Did you ever play a game called, uh, there's this game I recently rediscovered called Popo LaCroix. No, but I have heard of Popa LaCroix, but I've never played it. I don't even remember what kind of gameplay loop it has. I know it's an RPG, but I just, all I can remember is that the art style was amazing. And I would play that game and this ATV game. <laughs> and I would listen to the music videos on there. I miss the PSP so much. Yeah. 
I love the PSP. It's a great console. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of like hidden gems that are just stuck there um, or games that I just want to see ported. Like John Dark is another one that I bring up a lot, uh, which is like a <laughs> tactical role playing game from level five. Um, but it's based around, you know, like an anime version of Joan of Arc story. So that's interesting. Uh, it, there's a lot of like unique games on PSP that just never, never came to other consoles. So uh, Crisis Cry Hope is like the first of more companies maybe pulling games from PSP and, and bringing them over to modern consoles. Um, even just Square Enix, because Square had a ton of stuff on PSP um, that I would love yeah. to see them maybe do more with down the road. I, I kind of want to challenge Square Enix to a fucking boxing match like with how much they're neglecting the Xbox, because I don't really play on my PlayStation, so or, or and I don't have a Switch anymore, so I've just been watching the nothing coming to xbox for a little I don't know. while now. this year from square enix was actually pretty good for xbox when when you have crisis core star ocean dfold chronicle i th- i think they had or or sorry last year i think they had a lot of good games come to xbox um well, we want yeah, this year you're right with Final fantasy not to xbox. Seven remake yeah seven remake not coming to xbox like those definitely hurt final fantasy 16 not coming to xbox like yeah or, i just want 14 as well like can i get yeah. 14 on xbox I've, I've been asking for that on the Xbox drive for four years now, and it still hasn't happened. It still yet, hasn't so. happened. Yeah. We should One do of a trade. Days. Like Phil Spencer should go up to J- crying Jim Ryan and be like, Hey, you guys can have a follow Forza. me. Here. Uh, no, uh fantasy nope. star universe Two. Oh, no, come on. Give us. That's not a, that's not a trade. <laughs> it's all, it's it? already coming to PlayStation though. So, I mean, that's, oh, they're already getting oh. that. They, they can't use that. It's a bargaining chip, but um, I think, Yoshi P, the, the the producer and lead on Final Fantasy XIV, mentioned in multiple interviews that it's not even it's not even an exclusivity thing. It's there's more of a logistical problem behind the scenes that they can't talk about. Okay. That is more the reason why it's not on Xbox and only on PlayStation and PC. Um, so I th- I think until they solve whatever it is behind the scenes, that game unfortunately won't be on Xbox because. I guess there might have been some choices made on on the Xbox side a long time ago that they just haven't remedied yet um, as to why that game hasn't come over. Well, now that I'm thinking about handheld RPGs not coming to Xbox, I mean, how do you how did you feel about the Mega Man Battle Network games from Capcom? Did you ever so, play those? Uh, so I never played them, so I'm actually really excited for that collection. And the fact that they announced it and and it's not coming to Xbox after all the coll- other collections did, I'm just like, come on, Capcom, what are we doing here? it's so sad too because it's like i don't like Mega Man, but i love the battle network series and mm. so it's like people were saying on twitter you know how twitter goes but people are saying the xbox gamers don't support these games and it's like i just don't like me this is the only Mega Man <laughs> game i would buy like I, and it, of course it skips me it almost feels spiteful <laughs> yeah i take I- everything personally Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, at least it's coming to literally everything else under the sun. So there are a lot of options out there. Yeah. But you're right. Like having that on Xbox would be awesome, too, especially because, again, we got all the other Mega Man collections, which, of course, I really appreciate because I'm actually a huge Mega Man fan. And believe it or not, you know, we, we're, we're kind of like opposites here because I did, uh, played all the, the Mega Man games before the collections came out and then I played them again. But I'm, I never played the Battle Network games because I, I wasn't really playing a ton of GBA um when those games were coming out so i just wasn't yeah. really into those all right Nate, do you have any more games oh no persona 5 i forgot that's what we were talking about <laughs> do you want to say anything more about it who's best best girl or best guy best girl i'm still doing the harem route actually i don't know if i've said this on on the pod yet though i'm following like a a spreadsheet 
And I actually just earlier today I was talking to Sojiro, the 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 guy who you're staying at his like cafe, and he's like the like a father figure to you right now. And I was supposed to rank up and I didn't, and I almost threw up. I was so oh, scared no. because I'm like 70 hours into the game, and somehow I didn't have him uh plussed up enough. But there's a girl who fortune tells, and you can ask her to like improve your relationship with people by reading tarot cards and stuff uh, it's this all sounds like insanity if you don't know persona if you don't know persona but uh i i ended up kind of riding the ship and i'm hoping that it's i'm it's like you know like uh like the butterfly effect thing happened in like two at uh, like two uh months like into yeah, the game like and then and now, now it's slowly yeah. unaligning everything i'm so scared now so i'm really paying attention to that spreadsheet Sounds like a lot of work, Nave. I'm not going to do that when I play it. I recommend you don't. <laughs> I highly recommend you just play it how you like. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get that that platinum trophy or those that, that full thousand gamer score, uh, you, you don't have to follow a spreadsheet, but you do have to at least know to do certain things um, yeah. and rank certain things up. Um, but you're right. You don't, I don't think you have to go full spreadsheet, but you should you should at least do a little bit of research to know like, Okay, how do I get to what do I need to do in the game to get the the to experience the royal content? That's like a big thing because um, if you don't make certain actions at certain points in the game, you don't get to see the extra content at the end. So you lose like thirty hours of game. What really? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, so that's obnoxious. A real thing. That's that's more obnoxious than the stupid Dark Souls two DLC where it's like you have to know to go to the well to like go through the gates and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's Atlas. That's that's just something that Atlas does in their games. So uh, I don't know. They, they're just very old school in that way because that's definitely something you'd find in like an NES game or something like that. Or like old school Wario game. Land or whatever. Like, yeah, we got secret <laughs> levels that you're never going to see unless you're like 5% of gamers that, yeah, whatever. Or like Star Road in, in Super Mario World. You, you would never know to go there unless you, you know, found it by accident or if you had Nintendo power at the time. So uh, what games have you been playing, Ryan? <laughs> So oddly enough, over the holidays, I've been doing a lot of traveling. Like I went to, you know, my folks place for, for Christmas. And then I went to, you know, my girlfriend's place for, uh, for new Year's. So, um, I've on, I've barely been home. <laughs> so it's been, I haven't had a ton of stuff that I've been playing, but I've have had my switch with me. So I've been playing a lot of, a lot of switch. First of all, I just had to throw out the mainstay. That's not a switch game. I've been playing a lot of world of Warcraft, um, with my girlfriend. We've been kind of pl- going through the Dragonflight campaign, um, and that's been a lot of fun um, to do together. Um, Dragonflight is the newest expansion for World of Warcraft. And uh, what flavor is it? Like the last one was like Aztec flavored, right? What's this one yeah. flavored? This one is um, like it's so it's weird. It's it's all about like these ancient dragons, and you're okay, going Skyrim, to this pile um, that that's full of like elementals. So it's very like elemental kind of themed um, and and dragon themed because the whole premise is like you get to uh team up with a dragon lord and they become like your dra- you, you basically like ride dragons around this big island um because even though a lot of world of warcraft expansions during the earlier parts of the expansions they'll they'll b- ban flying so you won't be able to fly around the areas until later in the expansions um they give you flying a little bit early thanks to the ability to ride on the back of these dragons which is kind of like a refreshing take um, I think on this, but it, especially because it's not like unlimited, um, like it's not an unlimited ability that you can just use forever um, during the time frame. But uh, it, it's pretty cool. The, expa- the the story is not amazing or anything like that. 
Um, but it's just fun. I, I I really like World of Warcraft. It's very much like a good podcast game. So if you're oh, listening yeah. to if you want to listen to this podcast and want to have a good pay, game to pair with it, like World of Warcraft, for example, is actually a pretty good game for that. Um, but other than that, I played a lot of River City Girls too. Um, that's a game I talked about a lot on our Game of the Year episode over at Carpool Gaming. It's one of my favorite games <laughs> to come out last year, um, and because it actually just came out back on on the 13th of December. Um, and I, I'm basically on my second playthrough at this point, um, playing through as different characters and just ha- still having a blast uh, with River City Girls too. I think like WayForward really knocked it out of the park with that game. Um, and yes, it has some some tactical problems in the sense that the last game ran at 60 frames per second, so it's weird that this one in like a, in the same engine doesn't. Um, and there's some load times between some of the the areas you go to, but. Those are really my only complaints with River City Girls 2. I think it's it's amazing. It's got incredible music. It's got some great visuals. The combat's fun. And I love the fact, too, that it's like a beat-em-up RPG. Uh, and it really stands apart from a lot of other beat-em-up games, especially since we had a bunch of them come out in in 2022, like Shredder's Revenge, as well as the yeah. Cowabunga Collection oh, yeah. and some other stuff. So uh, River City Girls 2 has definitely been at like kind of like the top of the, my pile of games I've been playing while I've been on the road on my Switch. Uh, and then just more Pokemon, more Mario Kart. Um, I'm more just playing those very casually, though, and just playing them at, at kind of like a stale's pace at this yeah. point. That's a pretty good spread. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo really has a great way of like just having concentrated fun in their video games, and I've been kind of missing that. I've been playing a lot more serious, like I have to pay, like paying attention to storylines and stuff like that kind of games, and I really just want a switch again just to play mario kart or smash or something and just like have just experience joy again bring some joy to my life <laughs> yeah. yeah well i did i did decide just randomly hey um you know my my girlfriend was off doing something else i'm like i'm just gonna beat super mario super mario brothers 3 again and i just beat it twice in a row just because it's <laughs> just fun just to pick up and play that game like that's like that game's like the ultimate comfort food for me or something like super metroid or um like nes and super nintendo games for me i just are like catnip i love them so much um but um so yeah so that's kind of what i've been playing and i'm kind of you know i'm also don't want to start anything big right now too because we are coming up on review season happening again um because oh of course there's a bajillion games coming out starting with one piece odyssey next week and then of course we got the the two persona re-releases as well as fire emblem the the, ne- the next week and then uh dead space remake so i am in for a a giant pile of games to play for review over on carpool so i'm very excited for that the a, there's so many games this year yeah, well, just just this month in general is ridiculous. And <laughs> j- but you're right; like this year is well, going to be going to be one of the biggest years of games. A lot of the Xbox sure. games too. Yeah, like with uh, Starfield and Redfall and all them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Forza as well is also supposed to be coming out in the spring. They said so. I, I think we're going to be hearing about those games pretty soon. Sean and I talked about it on the Xbox Drive today when we were doing our predictions. But I would imagine we hear about like release dates for all those games in the next month or two at this point because they got to get them out. Because it sounds like they're all coming. Like those three games sound like they're just first half of this year. So yeah. Well, uh, what was I feel like there was a Xbox dude that made a statement that they wanted like a uh, was like a core title on Game Pass every month or something. Yeah, that was something that uh, that Phil talked about oh, okay. uh, a little bit. Where I just um, didn't remember who the, quote the was ultimate from. goal of Game Pass is to have like a one big game there a month. Um, which is why like something we talked about on the the, the show today was um, do they need to. Sp- species out a lot more and and can they really release three of their biggest games 
kind of in the first six months of the year. And I absolutely think like that's that's what Game Pass is trying to do. That's the motto because I think they've got more coming out this fall. So I think they they kind of need these three games out of their way, especially because, you know, Redfall and Starfield were supposed to come out last year and then Forza was supposed to be kind of the big game this spring to kind of carry them over. Um, so now that they're all kind of jammed together, I think, especially because they're so different from each other as well, I think they can totally all coexist and all kind of release kind of back to back to back in the first six months. Talking about a good podcast game, Forza Motorsport is awesome at that. Like mm-hmm. That is such a great turn your brain off game and just, just drive. Follow the line. Follow the line. Drive so what have lines. you been playing, Philip? Look at that. Uh, I, I remembered you. Oh, thanks, man. You know, <laughs> I have been just Ted first in my New Year's resolution. Yet Last year, I only finished roll credits on 55 games. And I decided that wasn't good enough because my backlog is out of control. So I, you know, going for a big hundo this year. And Nave, I've already completed 12 games. Are so you the cheating ones, somehow? No, I've, I've just, well, these are games that I've just been... You know, you start a game, you play for eight hours, and then you leave it and install on your hard drive and don't play it for, you know, a year. Yep. That's just, these are the games I'm going back for at this point. So I'm still grinding on Nobody Saves the World and Pokemon uh, Scarlet Violet or whatever that I got for Christmas. Uh, those games are good, and I know Nobody Saves the World is leaving Game Pass this month, so mm-hmm. I want to finish it real quick. But the first game I finished this year was Earth Defense Force 2025. Oh, Finally my God. clicked on all the bugs. Ryan, okay, next... do you have any like knowledge of Earth Defense Force, this franchise? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I haven't played any of them, but I know of them being, or I shouldn't say I've never played them. I've played de- the, the demo, or a couple demos for the games, but I've never actually bought one before, if that makes sense. You just click on bugs. That's the whole yeah. game. With different Pretty guns. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it go, it's like a cookie clicker mentality almost, where you just, you get, the way the game, you level up like your health bar too, by just picking up one item that the bugs drop and they give you one point of health permanently so that's where it just stacks <laughs> and then you just you're like okay i can just i can infinitely raise my health bar how can you ever lose this game this game has like six difficulties and they just get insane at the later points i don't know how you beat it on inferno so there's that uh the chant which is like a double a resident evil horror game have either of you heard of this one I, um, I, I saw a lot of trailers for it this one was on my radar last year but um, unfortunately, kind of missed the cut. I, I I only finished 83 games last year, so... 83? Uh, <laughs> so many. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's low for me, so... Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It, the t- I think the timing more than anything when it came out was more the reason why I didn't check this one out, because I was excited for it, because I saw... <laughs> I think it looked really cool from the trailers, but it just it came out in November, um, so it was kind of a big ask for, to, to play that game when it came out. This game was kind of fucking cool. Dude, the game is really good. Like, I definitely want to recommend it. It only took me, I think, like seven hours to beat. And it's just, I don't want to do any spoilers for it. But the whole premise is basically like, you go to a, basically, a, a, what are those things? A cult, pretty much. Because you have some trauma. And your trauma is that you uh, weren't paying attention and your sister drowned while you're at the lake. That's, that's in the first part of the game. It's okay. But you're going to say something like, you weren't paying attention in class and someone threw chalk at you. And I was like, no. what is this person? What are you, Joker from Persona? And of course, you go there, culty things happen, and all your fears come to life, and you are haunted by your sister. And it's so weird because, like, she does, she's a monster, but you can't fight her, and she just shows up every once in a while like a big daddy in Bioshock, and you just hear her. You start to hear water dripping, even though it's not raining or anything, while you're at the cult compound, and you're just like, wait, what's that? And it just gets louder and louder. And then apparently, like, there was, like, 
you I think you were in Canada too. So there were like a bunch of mosquitoes or flies or something around the lake and they're like swarmed around the body. So you just hear water dripping and these flies buzzing. And eventually she just comes around the corner and starts screaming about how it's all your fault. And God, it, it is so thematic. I, the sound design is just incredible. That is like the number one thing they nailed in this game is the feeling of dread of me just like, cause you know, it's like resident evil half the time you spend double backing because you're trying to solve a puzzle and you don't know where you're going. And you're just trying to like, oh, I need to get yeah. another green key card, of course. But then you go into just like another room and then you hear dripping and you're like, oh, no, is that is that in the level or is that my sister coming to, I don't know, seek revenge? Good game. Wait, so is there is there any combat at all or is it, is it like more no, like Outlast? There, there is combat. Like it is like Resident Evil combat where you have oh. weapons and you attack. But it's good. I recommend it. Uh, next one, X01, which is like Tiny Wings meets Walking Simulator. I don't know. Are either you guys familiar about this one? I don't know what Tiny Wings is. Nope. Okay, Tiny Wings is a mobile game, and the whole premise is you're Great. a bird. You're a round bird, and you're able to increase your weight, and you slide down hills, but you need to let go to decrease your weight, and you launch off, and you just want to fly as far as you can, and you have to like time it just right as you're going down the hill to increase your mass. It's like that in the 3D. The game is beautiful. Just go play it. It's on Game Pass. Uh, just, I feel like this is taking forever, so I'm just going to roll through this. Cadence of Hyrule, beat that one too. The game is really good. It's a uh, Metal Hellsinger, but Zelda, kind of. I think it's I think it's a uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, but Zelda. Yeah, that too. It's literally Crypt of the Necrodancer, but with Zelda. <laughs> I didn't play that one, so but I played Hellsinger. It's a rhythm combat game. It's good. Uh, next one, Earth Defense Wars 2017, the one before 2025. I went back and you finished that one too. Yeah, be both of them. Dude, what, what, 2017 was a grind to get through. You need to spend some time with your family, Philip. <laughs> How many fucking games did you, you? Those two games take forever to beat. Yeah, but I've they? been milking them for the last like two years. Where like you know, oh, like, I, I forgot play, about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, next one, Devil and Me. We played it this week for this episode. Easy one. What? I know. Then next one, Donut County. Nice. It's, which it's a silly puzzle game, but it's a lightly puzzle because you just put things in the hole. Which well, you know you, got me. You you are the hole. You are the hole. Yeah. But what really got me into Donut uh, County is it's referenced in High on Life because I was playing High on Life and they were talking about video games and they're like, "Hey, you should go play Donut County. It's an indie." Are you game. serious? <laughs> yeah, they referenced, and I'm like, "Maybe I should go play Donut County." It's so funny. Uh, next one, uh, Goragoa, also on Game Pass. This is a puzzle storybook with pretty interesting art about a guy becomes a dragon or something. I don't know. There's no text. It's very uh, subjective, I guess. Or like, how do you feel about it? Starting uh, to it's starting to feel like you did cheat, Philip. A lot of these what? games look like they're one hour long. I, I marked how many hours it took me to beat them. It took me two hours to beat Gongoria. Two hours okay. on Donut County. Yeah. I believe you. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's not uh, his fault. The games are short. <laughs> uh, Forager. I thought this game was going to be short. This game took me 22 hours to beat. Which it's like Stardew combined with Clicker Hero. Oh, so fuck. It's like, Don't tell me that, dude. Yeah. Uh, so picture like Stardew, but take away all the relationship crap, all the farm building crap, and it's only resources. You only mine. You only farm. You only do like just that <laughs> stuff. Like it's, it's just Was there's no escape. Yeah, I guess it's just RuneScape. You just do that. And then it's like you set up auto, it, all of a sudden you start doing like automation where you have forges automatically feeding into crafting tables and it's, it's a single player experience. So once you ascend to godhood and you own all the resources, 
uh, there's no point to play it anymore. But it was a fun 22 hours. And then Arrow, which is a very difficult rhythm game. I beat it on normal because there's only 15 songs, but it is very difficult. Nave, I recommend it. Yeah, I've already played it. It's pretty good. Uh, Then High on Life. Uh, Apparently, this game's been given some beef. I I finished High on Life. Nave, you played that one? Gun game? Uh, It's like Scorn, but funny. I literally haven't played it since we talked about it last, like three weeks ago. But, I mean, I didn't hate it. I'm going to go back to it, but Persona 5, I can't stop thinking about it. So I've got to fucking finish Persona before I do anything else. Brian, I know you talked about High on Life in your other show. Uh, have you played it since then? No, I well, I, I never, I never picked it up. But uh, okay. the, it's one of those things where again, just poor, poor timing for me personally because I was all because I had like four games I was playing in December alone. So uh, it just it it's the one that flew under the radar, especially too because I'm not really a huge fan of Justin Roiland's humor, which yeah. I know is like if you're not into that from what the reviews say, you're not oh, going to yeah. be into this game. So I think that bit plays a major part as too whether or not you're gonna like it so that's that's part of the reason why like i want to play it eventually but like it can wait it can wait i'll get there eventually yeah, yeah those games that are comedy like comedy oriented video games you have to be into that comedy <laughs> otherwise it's going to be nails on chalkboard for 15 well, hours I, th- I think i think you can make the argument that there are some um games comedic games that can win you over with just the gameplay and even if you're not into the comedy stuff you can still you know find a way to really enjoy it but for what I've heard of High on Life or what I've seen from the game, it's just like, it doesn't sound like it's that type of game that's able to do that, I think. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't watch Rick and Morty or anything, and I'd say about half the jokes would land with me, and the other half would just slide off me, and I just wouldn't even notice them. Yeah, Maybe and it, it's interesting, too, because it's like, there, there's always joke happening. You know what I mean? Like, you're always, like, getting bombarded by the oh, jokes. So that I hate, that I physically, I really hated this one joke where all the guns have a secondary fire called their trick hole. And that's the joke is trick hole. It's supposed to be sexual or their butthole or something like that. That's the gist. It's supposed to be gross. But for instance, Kenny, your main gun or your first gun, who's just a pistol. He shoots a slime ball out of his trick hole. And basically like every single firefight, he's like, Hey, don't forget to shoot a slime ball out of my trick hole. It'll be good. It'll be a good attack, you know, or something like that. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't need to hear this again. I hear this every fight because Kenny's like the best gun even later on in the game. Like I just use Kenny through 90% of the game. Yeah. Whenever you, whenever you go through the tutorial for that secondary fire, um, if you stand around the guys, like this happens in a lot of instances in this game where if you just don't do anything the, you can just see how long the, the, the bit goes on. There's a bunch of guys that you're supposed to shoot with the, with the slime ball and knock them into the water. And they're just standing around going, Oh man, it'd really suck if uh, you know we got hit by some kind of slime ball and fell into this. Man, that water's gross. I don't want to be in that water. Do you want to be in that water? Like, they just sit there and talk for a while, and it's like, I, I just out of curiosity, I, I always sit there and like listen to stuff like that in any kind of video game. Yeah, uh, one part I really did like is at one point they referenced Code Lyoko and that '70s show, and I'm like, what a cut! What? No, Code Lyoko. They referenced Code Lyoko in this game for some reason. That's the forehead. That's the forehead anime. It's a forehead. No, well, it's not an anime. I think it was it was a cartoon that they made look like anime. That's not good. That's not a recipe for success. Well, I mean, they did it with Avatar Last Airbender, and everybody loved that. 
that I sent you that meme from Code Lyoko where it's that chick, it's the chick, and on her forehead is the copy pasta. Uh, you know, I, I, I've got 300 combined kills, but it's like to really tiny and it's like the whole thing's written on her forehead because that's the thing about that show is everyone's foreheads are enormous. So like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, you're playing Persona right now. Also infamous for the forehead. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a couple. I just ran into uh, a specific girl. Um, I'm like in September right now. And so I don't know if I want to spoil it, but uh, she has a pretty big forehead and her hair doesn't help because it's parted right down the middle. And so it is like a curtain like to, to <laughs> present the forehead to you. It's really funny. All right. Uh, and then uh, we play through Streets of Rage. Maybe we'll do an episode on it. I don't know. But this is the first Streets of Rage. Are you familiar with this one, Ryan? Of course. So she played River City Girls, too. I assume you like the beat-em-ups. Yeah. I, I mean, I played Streets of Rage on Sega Channel back in the day, of course, because I didn't own a copy of this game. But, you know, Sega Channel, of course, for folks that don't know what that is. Please back explain in the it. day, this was Game Pass before Game Pass existed, where in the 90s, Sega actually had a uh, subscription service you could actually pay for through your cable company, where they would give you this specially designed uh, Genesis cartridge that, you're co- that you would plug like a coaxial cable into the side of, to basically plug a cable line <laughs> into it. And it would allow you to um, connect to a server hosted by uh, the cable company to then download Genesis games to your your the, the cartridge and then play them, you know, off the cartridge itself as if you owned the cartridge itself. So it was kind of like a subscription service like Game Pass was, but for Genesis games in the 90s. So uh, I played a lot of games that way, um, like Shining Force 2, which is like one of my favorite RPGs of all the time. I played that way. Uh, or even games like Streets of Rage, because I had Streets of Rage 2. Like, me and my brother play- spent so much time playing the, the original Streets of Rage 2 on cartridge. Um, but we wanted to play the first one. We didn't own it. so we But we had Sega Channel. So nice. we could play it there. That so, was on the service the entire time. Sega and the cable company can figure out how to flash ROMs to your drives way back in the day. But we can't get Square to get Final Fantasy fourteen on Xbox. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, that's just the world we live in. <laughs> Where, you know, before the internet existed, you could download, you know, games to your Sega Genesis. Which is We're just in the funny worst timeline, I guess. Yeah. Which, uh, okay, that's enough of my backlog. That's 12 games. I got, was that, 88 left to go. I think I'm going to make it. Yeah, you're going to get like 800, 800 games this year if you're going to... I cannot consistently do this. This is like me trying, like I'm trying so hard, like to go back and like clear out my hard drive before I download new games. But then I download High on Life, or we get stupid <laughs> Divinity, and I'm putting extra oh God, hours dude. in Divinity, and I'm like, man, I can't do this. I need to finish these other games. We're both playing Divinity too, all uh, Divinity Two, uh, Original Sin as well. So, I mean, do you know anything about that, Ryan? Because that game is actually really fucking sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I don't really love CRPGs all that much. Um, so Divinity Original Sid was uh, not a game I was super into. Uh, but I know people love that game. So I don't have a whole lot of experience with like Dungeons and Dragons or anything, but we played a game called Solasta, which is like worse Divinity. And um, I, I, I've realized that I probably would really, really like Dungeons and Dragons. Like if I got like an actual consistent group together. Yeah. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons in high school and then, you know, uh, in college as well and just had a blast playing it. Um, so as long as you got like good imagination, like D&D is a ton of fun. But I don't know. I've never really enjoyed 
like that transition from literal Dungeons and Dragons, uh, like paper, yeah. like paper gameplay to, to the gamified playing that in a in game form. I've just never really been into that. Like the Baldur's Gate games, I feel the same way about Icewind Dale, Neverwinter Nights, stuff like that. So it's an angry dog. All the right, Nate, what have you uh, purchased this week? Uh, any winter sale still going on? Hold on, I gotta use the leer on my dog and see if it's effective. Um, so I. Hmm couple of games. I, I spent so much money uh, for the countdown sale on Xbox, which was insane. We talked enough about that. But uh, a couple of games went on sale. Called One's called Fluffy Horde. Uh, just this indie game that kind of looks silly. It kind of has like an Adventure Time style, art style or something. I'm not really sure what this game is. I mean, it might be like some kind of ta- tower defense or something. I don't know. I got another one called Bladed Fury, which is... Uh, I get. I think it was a mobile game before, but it's a it's a two D side scrolling hack and slash. I think, and it reminds me of the art style. Reminds me of something, but I don't know what. It reminds me of another two D game that looks just like this. I oh, I, I can't really remember. Maple Story. That's it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I also got the Double May Cry collection. The first three. Um, nice. and I'm probably gonna try to beat those again, but those games. Those I remember hungry. the very first one made me very, very angry. So I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get get through. I might be able to do the third one, but I I don't have patience. I don't have enough patience. All right, uh, that's quite a collection. Like I definitely want to go back and play the old DMCs, but more than that, I want to play Bayonetta two and three because I still haven't played two yet. And I really like. Yeah, playing. I haven't even. Is it is it Switch exclusive? I can't remember. I don't, it is. No. It's I mean, also on Switch. Hold on, correct myself. It's on Wii U and Switch. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. yeah. Of course, of course. Let me break up my might, Wii U. I think I might own it. I still have a Wii U. I still oh, have Wii U. Sitting. See? Oh my god. Wii U is great. I I mean, I literally have my Wii U hooked up. It's on my shelf right next to me. You can't oh, see it off camera. Dude, oh, I okay. actually like the Wii U's tablet. I think it got a lot of hate. But I remember when I first saw it, I was like, what in the fuck is this? But whenever yeah. you actually get your hands on it, you're like, this is surprisingly comfortable. Like, this yeah. is more comfortable than holding an iPad. Because it's yeah. got, like, the triggers. Like, it just perfectly sits and rests on your hand. And it's really large, which is, like, one of the reasons why I don't like the Sony uh, controllers. Besides the DualSense. The DualSense fucks. But, um, like, the PS4 controller, I hate it. It feels like a little piece of, like, it, looks, it feels like a kid's toy. My hand just domin- hands just dominate it. I need those, I need the Duke, I need the big old boy controller. The That's why controller. I like the Elite so much. Yeah, as someone who has long fingers, I, I actually fully understand that sentiment as well. And, yeah, the Wii U in particular, like, I love the, the gamepad for similar reasons. Like, I think it was a very con- comfortable controller to use. And then if you don't like that for some reason, you can use the Pro Controller, which is also great, too. Like the, the mm. Wii U Pro Controller was actually really good. And it has like the best battery life I've ever seen a controller where it's last for like 90 hours on a single charge. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I've, I've barely ever had to charge mine, despite the fact that uh, it's usually my primary controller for, for Wii U games. That's how I played Breath of the Wild. I did it Wii U style. Um, did we talk about everything? Oh, so the next thing is the new, the news. And we were going to talk about uh, my new setup here. You might notice that I listeners who uh, listen weekly might notice that my energy is a little bit different. That's because I'm not using my. I used to record on an Xbox, Ryan. Have you ever even heard of people doing that? I used to go on Zencaster using the Edge browser, <laughs> and this <laughs> webcam would be on top of my TV, and I would yeah. record that way. That's amazing. I yeah. I, I love That's it. I love that energy. I mean, whatever you got to do, you got to do to get started. I mean, the way like my setup wasn't. You know, I never used a console to do it. That's a new one for me. But, 
you know, when I first started doing this, it was like, Hey, I, I, I have my laptop in my, <laughs> in my, uh, like in my living room as I'm sitting on the couch in my little, like less than ten, like a, like 720 P uh, webcam on my thing with like a headset, like a, the, this really like terrible 10 to $15 headset trying to talk through that and podcast that way. So I, de- I definitely understand the hustle there. I mean, you say whatever it takes, but he was using this for like a year. <laughs> but even worse, before that, when we first started the pod, I was recording on an iPad through like, oh, yeah, we would use like Discord, and that was terrible. Don't listen to our first like five episodes, dear yeah. listeners at home. Those were dark days. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, Which, but the reason why I bring it up is because we got to shout out a couple of people because we actually received some very generous donations from. Uh, Friday Night Gamecast, shit, sorry. Friday Night Gamecast, a while back, sent me this uh, microphone that I'm using right now, actually, a little microphone, a little mic stand and everything. And they also sent me a small Chromebook. The Chromebook, unfortunately, didn't work out because the RAM wasn't good enough. So as soon as we would start recording on Zencaster, it would light on fire and it would smell like, you know, <laughs> yeah. cooking toast in my house. So I couldn't use that. But um, we also got a PC from the Elder Trolls podcast. They sent me a... Uh, a repair job, little uh, computer. We talked about this already on our uh, Patreon episode, but I want to shout these guys out here because this is where most people are going to hear it, and uh, we're really thankful for you guys. Um, I, it, it blows me away. I kind of just stare over here and just look at it. I don't. I, it's like it's going to vanish away, like it's a mirage in the in the Sahara. Yeah, for just like a couple rando boys that we met on the internet, it's crazy how much help they've given us and all the encouragement we've received. Like our determination grows. Like if we were in a, what is it? Undertale. Undertale? It's like you see the mouse eyeballing the cheese that it may devour one day. <laughs> your determination grows. Like I think you're filled with determination. That's it. You're filled with determination. So thank you so much. All the boys that have supported us. You know, I don't know. It's just crazy to believe that we made it this far. And with that, let's thank our patrons. Oh, I can scroll down. Okay, Insane Cracker, <laughs> Nick and Knight, Hoffle, Michael Superbacker, and Morgan Remington of the Intergalactic Pinecone, which he has recently uh, moved on from streaming, and so we wish him luck in his future endeavors. But thanks, Morgan. Uh, really appreciate all the help, and we, hopefully we can have you back on the pod. Indeed. i got to move right. everything around. I'm so confused. Well, Nave, what is going on with the Twitter sphere? Um, I wrote a thing. That's what I'm trying to find right now. I'm oh, trying no, to I keep... have it pulled up right here. <laughs> so uh, the way I don't have like a light or anything. So for the listeners, you guys can't see me, but I look like my my light, uh, my ceiling light. I mean, is directly behind me, and so it overcasts the shadow. I look like fucking Batman when I'm staring into the screen. If there's no <laughs> white screen pointed back at me, no. I think the hacker man type look. If you just had a hood up, like a hoodie, oh, on. like an anonymous man, anonymous, yeah, boy? anonymous, yeah. I don't know if I I don't know. I don't know. Read the thing, Philip. Okay, I'll read it. Hey guys, we're recording about dark pictures and anthologies, <laughs> the devil in me. Write in your questions and stories, and they can be about the series or anything. And then you put a little thing, a little picture of the game. Hey, hey we there... got a fourth person in here? I know. No, that's, that's what you that's what you sound like on the internet. Oh. Got one right in, Philip. What is it yeah, say? Yeah, got one right in. Uh, it's from Melissa who watched you stream the game and it just says pet the dog pet the dog pet the dog this song there this, is this message is endorsed by dog gang 
And with which that, is a dead meme I'm trying to bring back. Oh God, dogging. It's pretty funny to me still. Well, you know, it'd be really pretty funny, Nave, if we actually talked about our game of the week. But before that, let's take a little break. Music, Music plays. plays. Boop, 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 boop. So, do you need a bathroom break or anything? I'm good if you guys are. No, I need to go get a bottle for the baby. So I'll be right back. Okay. This is where we sit around and just banter for a little bit. Uh, oh, excellent. Well, you, I'm actually surprised you'd be doing bantering during this section of your, you know, hanging out here by yourself. But sure. Oh, yeah. If, if, if it's just me, I just I think I, I'll usually just start reading something. Just yeah. read it out loud or I'll just screw with someone. But usually, Philip, if it's obnoxious enough, edits it out. Yeah. I mean, this is the part where all the this is like where the the true the true spice comes in from the podcast, where people, you know, are just listening <laughs> to this. Uh, us just bantered about whatever whatever we feel like talking about at this point. So what's going on? Do you have persona figurines back there on, on in their shelf I, back there? I have I have a whole bunch of figurines back here. Oh, There's, you just you like pulled the curtain back. You were sitting in front of a lot of them. There, I mean, it's one of those things where I live in a tiny apartment, so I can only put the chairs over <laughs> places. Um, but no, I mean, I've got my figure shelf behind me with a bunch of, you know, game and anime characters and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, I've got a bunch of collector's itching stuff on top of the shelf. Um, like uh, as, And then, of course, I got retro games on that shelf over there, um, uh, as well as my manga on the bottom shelf. Uh, and then I've got another shelf on the, that other wall over there that's just, you know, PS2 and PS1 games um there's a lot of games in this room and then there's literally like a shelf right next to me here that i'm kind of touching here that's all my my console so i've got my ps3 wii u super nintendo nes uh sega saturn ps5 series x uh n64 360 wii uh sega cd and sega genesis and then as well as a 32x of my dad which, which one of those uh retro consoles is like your most prized possession which one are you mo- most proud of I don't know. I think the modded Sega Saturn is a is a good one because the modded Sega Saturn. First of all, Sega Saturn games are very expensive. So the what? <laughs> so one of the best th- best ways to alleviate that is to remove the disc drive and actually mod it with like a flat um, like a SD card reader uh, to play games that way. Um, so like I, I I'm really happy with you know what I was able to do with that that console. And plus you know I just love the Saturn. I think it's like an underrated console. Um, but also I really like the GameCube as well a lot so that's i love the gamecube so much i was such a i was such a big nintendo boy yeah the handle it was the first portable portable yeah Uh, it's even more portable than the game gear that i had as a child that took you know eight double a batteries to to last for 45 minutes have you ever put together like a gundam before because this was actually not it was not simple i so i bought a small one because it was it was it's not good well, no, like there's like high grade, like perfect yeah. grade, and real de- yeah, grade. And depending on the grade, that also indicates the difficulty of putting it together. Oh, I didn't even know that. I don't know yeah. what this is. I bought this one because it was pretty cheap. It's Jim, uh, my boy Jim from Gundam uh, Evolution. Is that the game? It's my okay. favorite character well, in that. Yeah, but Jim was back in like Gundam 3. Yeah. Um, I, he, I got a small one because I was like, okay, this will be cheaper, probably easier as well. But the small one is way way harder than i expected it to be because this the pieces are so small multiple mm-hmm. times i would cut because you have to put it you have to cut it out of plastic little things and like a sheet and yeah. then you put it together like that a lot of times i would cut one and it would just go Choo! like in the fucking into the ether and i'd have to find it oh, no. before my dog ate it yeah like yeah. so i'm pretty sure I, he came with many hands but i'm pretty sure i lost one of them immediately like that but luckily it wasn't one that was important 
Yeah. But you know, the benefits of the smaller models is that people can't see any fuck-ups you get on it. Oh, it does look a little fucked up, too. I messed up the entire neck. I put it, I made it too high up. <laughs> and so now he has a big old, like, giraffe neck, it looks like. He's a tall geese. He's got a tall yeah. goose neck. Yeah, mm-hmm. so what I do is I just point his head down a little bit. So his chin kind of covers it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, like so. It sounds like you got a high grade one by the sounds of it, but because uh, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you had to put together like an exoskeleton that goes underneath the the model itself. No, um, it was just limbs, that, right? Limbs in the, the torso. Yeah, there's pieces on the inside, but mostly they're joints. Like it's like the inside of it was a bunch of uh, I don't, I wouldn't call it an exoskeleton. Yeah, yeah, that, that's why I, I I think it's probably a high grade one, which is which is yeah. Yeah, like a good place to start. Um, but I'm telling, I'm going to tell you right now as someone who's built like the larger high grade ones, it, that doesn't matter. That's still the, what you described, the story <laughs> you described still happens anyways with the high grade stuff too, because oh God. some of some of the larger mo- Gundam models still have small parts from them and you will still run into the same problem with the small parts. Well, you figure the, the, the bigger ones would be more expensive. They have higher quality parts, right? Easier to handle. No, they're literally no. the same. The, the same quality, because like the again, the grade determines more than anything the quality of the parts that come along with it. Um, but obviously, again, the bigger figures, you're right. You have like a lot more bigger pieces. Um, like one of the ones that I had, uh, and the reason why I don't actually have Gundam models anymore is because I've had to move around a lot, and uh, they do not survive moves. I'm going to tell oh, you that I right bet. now. If you move a That's lot, sad. they don't survive moves or don't do too well in moves. It's just even if you bubble wrap them and put them in a nice box. It doesn't matter. Something will get broken off eventually, and that'll be that. But yeah, my so. friends messed with my. As soon as they saw my Gundam, they started messing with it, and they immediately ripped one of his arms off. No! And I was just like, "Oh my god!" And the piece, of course, the joint falls into the. And I'm like, "I just give it to me. <laughs> I don't don't yeah. touch it, please." No, they're <laughs> just toys. they're so fragile. Like like I had a big uh, Freedom Gundam from from Gundam Seed, um and i I, it basically like every time i moved with that with that that um model like a different piece would break off it to the point where it was like by the fourth move i was like all right i'm ready to trash this thing because i i it's just it's barely holding together at this point so it was battle hardened yeah no it's not like it was softened (laughs) no so that so that's why i collect more of the like you know standard figures as opposed to models now um just because it's they they survive moves a lot easier than models do i think they're a little more they're a little better put together um so they they're able to survive moves better but i'm really jealous of that master chief helmet yeah well i mean that's the halo that's from the halo 3 collector's edition so yeah yeah. i can't actually wear that helmet um because there's like a because they didn't design it that way Um, means like the what's up the modern warfare goggles yeah oh i had those too i had those too but uh they're in a box at my mom's place right now currently but wait um, do they work yeah oh they totally work they're they were legit night vision goggles that they came with the the modern warfare 2 collector's edition did you see that do you guys remember like the saints row 3 or saints row 4 super special edition where you pay a million million dollar collector's edition what that's a real thing that's a real thing was they would send you to space or something yeah yeah, it was for it was for Saints Row Four, um, and yeah, it was a million dollar prize. And yeah, one of the perks of that that paying the million dollars was going to space. I'm pretty sure one of the perks was also like plastic surgery. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was all. It was just a giant list like this of like all kinds of crazy crap like that. Well, and we're back. Speaking of Gundams, uh, our game of the week. 
Devil and Me, Dark Pictures Anthology, developed by Supermassive and published by Bandai Namco, the same guys that do Gundams. I didn't put the release really? date in. Yeah. But I assume it was October of this year, 2022. Uh, or Actually, it was November this year. November? Okay. Yeah. Usually it's an October or Halloween type thing. But for the store description, a group of documentary filmmakers receive a mysterious call inviting them to a modern-day replica of the serial killer H.H. H. Holmes' murder castle. It's an opportunity that's too good to pass up and can be just the thing they're looking for to win some much-needed public interest. The hotel is in the perfect set for their new episode, but things aren't quite as they seem. The crew discover that being watched and even manipulated, and suddenly there's much more at stake than just getting their ratings... From the Steam store, only thirty nine ninety nine. Very important info. Yeah. yeah. So we like to talk about our history or our preconceptions of the game. Ryan, what's your history with maybe the the Dark Anthology series or like how you felt about this game? Like, was this the yeah. first one you picked up? So I've actually played all like first of all, Supermassive as a developer who develops uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology games. Like I've pl- I've played all their games going back to. Um, until Dawn, which was a PlayStation 4 exclusive game back in 2015. Um, and then, of course, they signed on immediately after that to do the Dark Pictures Anthology games. Um, I even played, like, some of their other weird games as well, like Hidden Agenda, um, which was this, like, <laughs> more budget, you know, PlayStation, like, PSN title um, that was kind of like a, this detective game. They also had, like, a, a VR game called The Patient as well, which was, like, an Until uh, Dawn spinoff. Um, but I, I like their games a lot. Um, but I always find that some of the quality is hit or miss with some of the dark pictures anthology games specifically feels a little double A. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like they've got, but at the same time, I feel like they've gotten better. The the dark pictures anthology games have gotten better as they've gone along. Um, like man of a Dawn, I felt like was a bit of a, a bit of a miss for me, but at the same time going back and replaying it again, I've actually found that I enjoy that game much more than I did when I very when I played it for the first time um, back in I think it was 2017 it came out um, and then um, Little Hope the game after that which was actually believe it or not a game that Supermassive pitched to Konami as a as a their as a Silent Hill game and not because uh, they wanted because Supermassive <laughs> wanted to develop a Silent Hill game and that's what that game was originally supposed to be. It's kind of what um, it looks like with but, the fog and the bus and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it definitely feels like Silent Hill. So um, after it got turned down, they ended up just turning that idea into a Dark Pictures anthology game. Um, and that one I didn't like as much because you just kind of walk in a straight line. Um, but House of Ashes, the game that came out the year before uh, The Devil and Me, which I think came out in, in 2020, um, I really liked a lot. I thought I really dug uh, House of Ashes. I think it was a fantastic game. Um, and it was definitely kind of, felt, it felt to me like it returned to form for uh super massive yeah. in a lot of ways um and then of course the quarry which came out earlier last year i also really dug um so i was actually p- pretty excited about the devil and me and, and the prospect because i thought like the the serial killer angle inside like a spooky you know murder house seemed like a, a great idea yeah. for a video game that's an and easy dunk yeah so i was i was actually pretty excited about this one going into it and uh, i won't i won't speak to audit meeting my expectations so i want to hear from you guys first all right uh so um did you did you play on shared story or did you play in movie night or did you play by yourself whenever you first experienced i played this by myself i just i don't know anyone else who played these plays that's interesting but me so i'm kind of in that boat too with a lot of things (laughs) 
so me and Nave, we played it together and we played it uh, in the shared story mode instead of the movie night mode, which we'll get into more detail about the differences. But uh, my only history with the series is uh, from Man of Madon when we had old race to Canis from who would win on there. Uh, this is an episode we did way back, I think like in the first year of the pod. I can't, it's been so long, but that one was a lot of fun when we played through it. But what really kind of hooked me with this one is I had seen like a streamer play through the house of no, not the little hope one. Mm -hmm. And I saw like how, whenever you play online, like a shared story, you don't get to see everything the other player is doing. And so I was really interested to see how that would play out. Like, does that just like facilitate, I don't know, more playthroughs of the game because you're like, okay, I want to see the other side of the house now, or I want to see how it would play out differently if I was this character instead of them. But I think we're going to get into that. Nave, history of preconceptions? Um, I'm uh, right there with Ryan where I really enjoy super massive stuff, um, until, especially Until Dawn. Until Dawn was a really fun experience. And I remember the first time I played Until Dawn, I kind of, we kind of did, because that game I think is completely single player, but we kind of did the movie night thing where I had a couple friends over the first time I played it and we just passed the controller on. Um, this, these uh, Dark Pictures anthologies are a lot better for that because these games are a lot shorter than Until Dawn, I think. Um, so these games, you can actually kind of sit down and it's like, if you, if you, if you like watch two movies back to back, that's about usually the length of this, these games. And so, uh, my first experiences with the dark pictures though, was playing movie night with the first three games. And I did not beat house of ashes because we've re we've restarted it like three times with different groups of people, but we always get about like a little, over two thirds of the way through and then someone passes out cause they're too drunk or something. And so these are amazing games to sit around with people and, and do the, the, the movie nights. Movie night, and this, this game right here will be the first game. I actually did the shared story uh, with online play. So it, this, it'll be an interesting way to, I guess I have like a different perspective now uh, on why some people kind of sleep on this series. Yeah, because there's a lot uh, of interesting quirks you get when you're playing online. <laughs> there's yeah, there's some weird jank. Uh, just hours played. I mean, they both have four hours listed. That's one playthrough of the game with us kind of dallying, like diddle dallying around looking for collectibles. So if you were really trying to speed run this game, I don't know why you would. It's like a cinematic experience, but it would probably take you less than you know three hours or so, somewhere around that, which. At the price point of $40, you really need to be doing some multiple playthroughs. I don't know if you're trying to get like more out of your value. It seems almost a little high for how short the game is. Well, yeah. Philip, weren't you talking about how only if you want to play online, you can download the trial if somebody owns it yes. and they can invite you to your game? True, true. I'm so glad you named that because that completely invalidates my point. Because if you're doing the shared story, it does the It Takes Two philosophy or Operation Tango, where you can download the trial version of it if someone else owns the actual license for the game or the game itself, and they can play it. So it's almost like you're getting the whole game for, I don't know, $20 if each of you pitched in 20 bucks. Yeah, which is something that we learned afterwards because Philip got this from the library. And as soon as he was like, hey, uh, download uh, Devil in Me, because he assumed I already owned it because I like buying these. And I didn't, so I bought it right away. And Philip was like, you fool! <laughs> you, 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 you wasted money! Oh, well. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know if, if y'all are really big PC players, but um, it's something. This is, this is something that actually Blizzard used to do back in the day with the original StarCraft 
back in 1997 where um if one of your friends owned the original starcraft um and came over to your house with their cd copy and installed it on your computer they would install they can install what's referred to as a spawn version of the game um and basically what that would allow you to do is as long as you played online on battlenet with your friend that owned the copy of the game you can play as much starcraft as you want with your friend uh just playing together for free essentially so um that's what this story totally reminds me of because like not enough most developers don't do this kind of thing nowadays so it's just funny to to hear you guys talk about that because that's something we definitely did when i was in high school where we had like i had like eight friends that and we had like this group that we would just you know at lunchtime we would sit around the cafeteria table talking about uh all of the, our starcraft games every night and it was because <laughs> we had one person who owned starcraft and then they had given like seven spawn copies to the rest that's of incredible us, essentially and we all kind of pitched in like five dollars to basically pay for the copy of starcraft which is cool all right, so just top of the top of the docket or whatever. This is based on apparently a real live person, uh, yep. old Triple H Murder Castle Hotel, which this game has a documentary installed in it or a part of it that you can yeah. watch if you want to get the actual history. I didn't watch it, and they you said you watched about half of it, and it is long. I, we actually watched it all. I didn't realize really? I'd watched the whole thing, but yeah, it's it's pretty long and extensive. It's it's a it's a cool tale. Um, if you want to learn more about H.H. Holmes, there is a very funny comedy podcast called Last Podcast on the Left, and that's where I learned about it. So whenever we first started playing and Melissa was like, oh, my God, it's H.H. Holmes. Oh, my God. And she started fangirling out. You know how girls are with serial killers. But um, I realized I knew <laughs> because of Last Podcast on the Left, I was familiar with this story. And so it was so much that I was kind of like – uh, I wonder if they're gonna. I wonder if he's gonna use the gas. I wonder yeah, this, this or that. Whenever you do the prologue, that explain. That's like the tutorial, um, which those guys infamously usually die at the in the beginning yeah, the of the game. Characters so don't get attached which, to prologue. Characters. The prologue was pretty funny. Uh, which you're newlyweds and you go into the hotel and you meet the the proprietor of the hotel and he's like, oh, hello, what's your name? He's like, oh, I'm Mister H H Holmes. Yes, he does <laughs> do that. I'm like. Who's this guy? And then that's when you and Melissa were like, "Oh, it's it's that guy. It's the murder hotel guy." And I'm like, "What? I don't know who that is." <laughs> uh, which and I wonder the what funny the funny thing is, is because when you first like right at the beginning, it does like a swoop, a sweeping camera, and as it goes behind the counter, like behind the door of the counter, there's a skeleton there, oh and it's like a spooky, spooky skeleton in the behind the counter. And I'm like, "Why is that?" <laughs> like, like saying, this is very, a very scooby-doo haunted mansion type situation with lots of trap doors and skeletons oh my god dude don't dude the trap doors are the best we're like fucking all over the place right now but as you can tell we we love this this goofy shit we love it so much all right so just knock out the prologue you're newlyweds i was the husband that was super negative on everything this place sucked <laughs> everything sucks uh, i went over and i noticed that there's a little store where you could buy something at a choice of buying a necklace for my new wife or getting a sweet deal on a watch so i got the watch <laughs> <laughs> which uh, ryan what was this like playing solo like i, I feel like it had to be like did you control both characters or like how did it play out yeah you basically go back and forth at certain parts of the story. And in, in fact, when you beat the game, you unlocked what's you unlock what's referred to as the curator's cut. Um, and what that does is it allows you to play as like the other people that you didn't play as. Okay. Um, that's interesting. When you play solo. 
Um, but they also, when they do the curator's cut, they also add additional kills and different scenes that aren't actually present in the normal version of the game. Oh, wow. Um, so it's actually like a good way to replay the game if you uh, are looking for more replay value from this one and, and want to, you know, go for another thing, but then not have it be the exact same experience. But yeah, you start off as actually as the husband, just like you were describing. Did you buy the watch? Um, I actually bought the necklace for. Oh um, come on! I thought you were going to do the evil choice. <laughs> I'm such a I'm such a nice person. I would never oh, nuke Megatown ever. Megaton ever. I'd never have talked about that on the. Podcast. This has come up like a hundred times. I, I, in fact, I think I I joined a Halo game uh, with someone who was playing from Carpool Gaming. They were hosting. Yeah. You guys were hosting something, and uh, it, it came up like four different times. We just kept talking about nuking <laughs> fucking Megaton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, of course everyone did it. And then people are like staunchly against it and judgment calls were made. And it's like, it's so funny. It's such a goofy thing. That yeah, very much I am, I am, games I'm, like, I'm on the wrong side of history when it comes to the carpool gaming community because most of the carpool gaming community saves Megaton, but I destroy it every single time. <laughs> Dude, the, pen, the penthouse is swanky, man. Yeah, you can see yeah. everything from there. Exactly. Plus, I, in the little courtyard going up to the penthouse, I would always drop all the round objects I could into the well or the fountain in the front until the game would eventually glitch out and I would freeze every time I walked out of the penthouse. <laughs> Dude, I love, I fucking love Bethesda so much. Bless their souls. Because once they go in there, they just keep moving. They're just constantly rolling around yeah. in the well. It's like a ball right, pit. Yeah, this isn't about Fallout New Vegas. or That was uh, 3, actually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Fallout 3. It's been yeah. a while. But, uh, okay, so... Surprise, we go upstairs. Uh, I tell you that I didn't buy you any gifts and got a sweet new watch, and you're very disappointed in me. And then we have a pillow. Yeah, fight. I, you have a choice to be like, oh, it's fine. And I was like, oh, no. And like fainted on the on the mirror. I was so upset. <laughs> but I got a good deal on it. Which, this is kind of interesting because at this point, we stick with these characters. But in our shared story, we end up swapping characters a lot. Whereas if you're playing... Yeah in the movie night mode, you get assigned a character and you were that character throughout the whole game. Yeah. I mean, I guess we could go into that real quick. Um, so the movie night mode is for playing locally and it's, it's different from the shared story where, um, only one person is ever playing at a time, which is why I was talking about like, you know, you can get some popcorn, you can get some wine or whiskey, whatever, whatever floats your boat and just, uh, have like a like a well it's called movie night for a reason and it's really cool because you get to sit there and judge everything that that one person yeah. does <laughs> and talk crap be like why would you do that you're gonna get killed yeah or, where, where on the other side you don't i have no idea what philip's doing most of the time in the in the games yeah i mean it's also a good game to play with like your significant other on a date night or something like that, that too if you if they're into horror movies or horror mm -hmm. games as well like you know, me and my girlfriend have sat on the couch and played those games before. And, it, and it's always fun for us to, like, you know, come up with different decisions for each other and stuff like that. So, like, movie no, night mode, I didn't do that for this game, but I have done that before. Um, and that's always a, a lot of fun as well. Just even even if only one person's playing at a time, even be able to come up with the talk about the choices together um, yeah. and doing it that way is pretty cool. Um, and also you can also turn I think you turn the timer off for the choices as well in movie night mode. So um you, it's actually like a good oh. live streaming uh way to do it as well if you've got some friends there over as well all right uh so we have our pillow fight uh nave decided he was going to go take a bath down the hall while i was going to i don't know go get some ice or something i can't remember but anyways i go <laughs> I in the hall it. and i realized that they scooby-doo they moved the walls so the hallway is to go the same way and all the doors are fake 
And I'm like, oh, no, I got to get back to my wife because I hear screaming because something was going on in the bathroom. But I, I couldn't see from my point of view or my on my playthrough. I just heard screaming that I needed to get back there. <laughs> so, Dave, what was happening in the bathroom? Oh, he he, he came in there and uh, choke slammed me Mortal Kombat style. Really? He, yeah, he murdered me. No, he, he just he just chokes you to death in the bathtub. He does the thing, too, where my my character is like, I could be scared or I can just be fine. And I was like, I'll be fine. And she just closes her eyes. She's like, oh, honey. And she's closed her eyes. And then whenever she opens her eyes, the dude's like up above her, like staring into her eyeballs. And so yeah. it's just so silly. <laughs> and yeah. to throw some comments out there, at. there's actually two different deaths that can happen there. Um, because they, you can die the way you described by, by not interacting. Or if you, of course, you know, are like, who's there, um, and react (laughs) to to the person, um, you get, you will, you'll have like a bit of a chase sequence before, um, he actually slits your throat. Um, and then, you know, the, the husband's on the other side of the door and you kind of both die at the same time. Oh, spoilers, of course, coming. The thing about spoilers for this game though. There's so many variations that you probably will never get the same story that we got that we're going to yeah. discuss. It's like, oh, I only like, meant oh, spoilers for what I know that you're about to talk okay. about. Yeah, okay. With the husband. Uh, but the husband, which I thought this was kind of like, this felt in character. Like, it was crazy how fast we got into character in this game. Like, we were instantly yeah. like locked. Even with the later characters, the film crew, it took like five minutes and we were like, I know this character. Like, this, the writing was so well done that we instantly had personalities for like all the main people we knew how we wanted to react we even came to like a consensus of like this character is this character and this is how i think they would act at least that's how we played it i don't think we ever chose intentionally dumb decisions this wasn't as dusk falls or whatever where we were like pick the stupid option so the child takes the painkillers you know that type of stuff but <laughs> which we did. There's, there's, that was my favorite choice that I made. I override in as dust falls, you can override choices, and I made him take the painkillers. Of course you did. That's, that's about the right. evil choice. Which didn't matter. And then we told him to matter. hide behind the door. So the guy walks open <laughs> opens up the door and looks to the left and sees him instantly. Which God, happens so in this game where I we hid behind the door and we called it the As Dust Falls moment where we're in the, and I thought the killer's gonna look to the right and see us, but he just walked right past us. Anyway, okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, like so part of the role playing is like I'm the husband. I'm like, okay, I need to get back to the wife. I run back down the hallway. All the doors look the same, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know my room number, and so then I'm like checking every door, and you're swinging doors open, and they're all bricked up behind it. And you're like, everything's fake, and it gets to a point where like you walk in there and you see the murder, and he's like approaches you, and I'm like, oh no, and it's like you can attack or run. And I'm like, I'm going to attack. And I like starts a quick time event where you're like charging up to attack him. And I'm like, oh, and we did this in the pillow fight a lot where you charge up and attack and then you just don't attack. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, it's even like missing. He doesn't miss. He just does. Nothing happens. And they just kind of <laughs> look at each other's eyes for a second, which we did do some stupid quick time events where like, oh, my God. Just failing the, things from purpose. Yeah, like, like there's a door. It's like, okay, we need an army of two. We, we're not strong enough to open this door. We got to do it together. We both go up and it's like, mash X. And we're like, uh, I'm not mashing X. And I don't know if Nave's mashing X, but I'm not am, mashing X. I am mashing X. <laughs> it's like, we, we charge up. We were like, go to open the door. And we fail and we go, oh. And the characters just look, kind of look at each other. And then they're like, <laughs> I guess we try again. <laughs> I would do that. It's so annoying. Like four times, and I'm just like, "Damn it, Philip! Just press the button." And he's just, <laughs> he's like, just not fucking doing it. 
All right. So that pretty much covers the prologue. It doesn't work out for our guys. Both of them died. I think he goes to do it like a he, he opens a door and dies in like a little gas chamber thing. And okay. this was whenever I was still like piecing it together. I was like, I think I know what this is. And I was explaining it to you. And as soon as I talked about the gas stuff, like he would, there were pipes that led into these hotel rooms. The whole, the whole way that this works is it was, it never comes up in the game really, but in the real life thing, there was like a second floor of, it's like a multiple story hotel. And the second floor was like a death, like a, like a kill box. The kill like a whole room, bunch yeah. of, that's where of all course. the crazy stuff would happen. And then the top floor and the bottom floor actually were like hotels, kind of like how the Indian scam calling agencies are. You know what I mean? Where there's like one floor that's all scam callers and everyone else is like a legitimate like business. My wandering that- into the fucking weeds right now. That's real. Yeah, that's real. Just a bit. Anyways, uh, that's kind of how all of that stuff happened. And um, once we got out of the prologue, uh, you get to meet the film crew. And the film crew's a little, uh, they're a little mean to each other. The team spirit is low. Yeah, morale's pretty rough. They're down on their luck, kind of. Everyone has uh, basically dreams that are unfulfilled. It's kind of sad, really. You, you know, you look at them and you're like, wow, that's, it sucks to be a human, I guess. But uh, <laughs> Like most film crews are, anyways. Is it? I don't, ones I don't know any film crews. I, I, I mean, I, I, I work in that industry. So, I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's not always like that, of course. I, I, I kid a little bit, but uh, there, is, there is some of that for sure. And, and it actually felt like... As someone who's worked on films before, like I don't know, it, like small films, like it feel it felt actually very real when it came to a lot of that, a lot of the stuff they were talking about, which is just which is interesting for 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 someone like me because most people wouldn't catch up uh, catch up a lot of that stuff or thought they would be a little bit out, outrageous to that. But good, they got some realistic touch. Yeah. So in this game, it's really a focus on it's about how the characters interact in the environment, and our environment is a murder hotel on a isolated island. So I figure we could roll through the characters before we kind of talk about the story bits. Uh, we have Charles or Charlie, which is the the leader. He's the producer, director, I think. He's director. the director. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's yep, resident British man. Yeah. Uh, he carries a lighter, but he doesn't have any cigarettes to light. It's very sad. <laughs> what does it say about uh, life? You no, know, like is this supposed to mean something? Uh, Charles, he's he has anger issues. Is his thing. But we kind of like played him as he was angry, but he always reeled it back in the end to get the team back together. Yeah, we kind of we kind of felt for Charles. I kind of empathize with him because I too have anger issues and no cigarettes to light with my lighters. Well, the, the other funny part is like the only person that was nice to him was Mark, which is like <laughs> yeah. the only other guy. So they were like they were like best buds, like boy boy buds together, while oh, everyone man. else was just mean then but there's this one part because you're always switching between characters so I, I think both players get to play as each of the five characters at some point but um uh there was a part where you were playing mark and i was charlie and i was eavesdropping and you're like oh i think he's being mean and and charlie's just like <laughs> oh like he's so hurt <laughs> like it's just like the most like non-offensive kind of thing but it's the fact that you didn't have my back philip well no he was talking to his ex-wife or whatever or his ex-girlfriend like he was trying to make it work Speaking of ex-girlfriend, is that Kate or is that there's a couple people? Uh, that's left. Kate, but uh, yeah. we can talk about Mark real quick. Uh, Mark's the care ca- the cameraman. He carries a camera that zooms in too far, so the camera's useless and can't take <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> this is going to be a running theme with the characters all having items that are useless. Yeah. The, dude, I-, I loved the camera though. It was definitely an interesting touch. Although I was uh, not a fan of his f- flashlight in quotation. Oh, he had a flashlight. Lord. 
Well, yeah, no. Again, quote in quotations, like you had like the camera flash that you would just periodically turn, like flash. I didn't even know that. The environment. <laughs> I feel like yeah. You didn't need the camera for most of the point. Well, I didn't play Mark a lot either. I usually played Charlie or Kate. Yeah. In the dark environments, again, all the other characters for the most part had a flashlight or a lighter in Charlie's case, but Mark, he didn't have any of those things. He just had a camera flash that you just like periodically flash <laughs> to see, it, to see how, that, how, you, how to get around this hotel. So it was Which, kind of annoying to be, having to use it all the time. To be completely honest, I actually really loved the camera flash, and it reminded me of a really old horror game. I think it's a game now, but it used to be a mod for Half-Life called Cry of Fear. And yeah. uh, at the beginning of that game, you're walking around a dark environment using your that camera flash. So good. And it's it's really awesome, like, the the idea of it. And I've always had this kind of weird feeling with, with like, cameras. You know what I mean? Like, something scary about cameras. Like, I, out of all of the Japanese horror games, I used to be scared the most of Fatal Frame just because of the camera thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, but I, I really liked the camera. And But whenever you use the camera, you can like, you're can like you free to just take pictures and whatever. And I was really hoping it would do a Final Fantasy 13 where or 15 where 15. you would have all of these camera pictures. Whatever fucking kind of pictures do you have? But you'd have all these pictures that you'd taken. And I was taking like scenic pictures, you know, at the beginning like of the lighthouse and stuff. And none of it ever came up again. So it's kind of depressing. Yeah. Because like there's achievements for... for- getting pictures of like the different crewmates but beyond that there's no reason to take pictures except for the one or two times you have to take them for the story purpose all right so our next character is kate uh that's mark's ex she's the lead actor or the host of the show and she actually carries one of the few useful items a focusing crystal that she gets bullied about by her ex mark (laughs) yes but it actually works to calm her when she's having a panic attack very stressed out uh, uh, crew that we have, but this is one of the, <laughs> the. I never actually got to use the calming crystal, but I think you hit someone with it at one point, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that's it. Like, if you make sure you bring it all the way into the game, like, you know, I guess spoilers for our playthrough, Kate used it to save Mark's life by stabbing the killer in the back with her energy amethyst that she's been <laughs> carrying this whole time. <laughs> it, just, it just poured the energy into them, I guess. To, to knock them off i guess but which i don't know about you guys but i'm a non-believer in crystal energy <laughs> like i don't think there's when, anything there like, I have a salt well, lamp. you're on the wrong side of history I then Phil. Like, i mean i got salt lamp so it's got to be like it's like whenever you um go to church on christmas you got to get points for something right what <laughs> what does that have to do with anything i'm so confused right now it's all spiritual i think this is just par for the course for over here at gaming together. We just, oh, we're always confusing each other. Clearly. All right, so next characters, uh, next duo is Jamie and Aaron. Jamie's the lighting technician, I guess, and she's the only one that knows how to use fuse boxes, even though the fuse boxes are like a kindergarten level puzzle. Yeah, you just flip things for a you little bit. You just flip the switches? It's like, let me handle this. And then she just goes over and flips the switch. And I'm like, thanks for handling that, Nave. Which I didn't know it was that simple until I got to play as Jamie later on and I did it. And I'm like, oh, so that's what you were doing over there staring at the wall for, <laughs> for 30 seconds while I'm just standing there as, I don't know, Kate's doing nothing. Uh, Aaron? They, they, or they're not really, like, Supermassive isn't really known for, like, complicated puzzles or anything like that. So Yeah. Uh, and I like the fact, too, that they didn't make the puzzles too complicated um, because I mean, I think if they made them overly complicated or take a long time, it just, it just would have kind of ruined the flow for for the co-op modes and stuff like that. So I'm yeah, glad this, this was no late game Bioshock hacking water minigame. Oh, yeah. my. I love the Bioshock hacking minigame, though. 
Uh, it's it is good though. Like uh, Ryan makes a good point, and it's like a lot of the time I played these games, these dark picture anthology games. Uh, like over half of the people that were playing with me were actually not very like well versed in gaming. They weren't like they didn't have the skills really built up, and so um, it it's those are usually the ones that died in the game from one random quick time event too. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's it's good to have uh, these easily solvable puzzles so that you can maintain the flow. Yeah. All right. Uh, then we have Erin, who's the sound operator. She carries a handheld mic that serves no function besides making loud noises whenever you equip it. And she also carries an inhaler that didn't help her when she was breathing. <laughs> so this inhaler that we thought was going to... So, okay, so the inhaler, the item itself, on the, you can see your items in the D-pad uh, in the bottom of the bottom left corner. And the inhaler had like a number five or something like that. And so like the five first uses, time... Right? She, she was having an asthma attack. I refused to use the inhaler because I was like, we're going to need this inhaler later on. And I don't think it ever came up again. Yep. 100%. Like I saw that too. And I was like, oh, okay. I feel like you're going to need to like conserve this a little bit and not use the inhaler charges. Like I assume um, you're going to be chased by the killer, right? And it's going to yeah. be like the heartbeat minigame. And if she's having a, an attack, she's not going to be able to control her heartbeat and she's going to die. Yeah. But oh, it never came up again. It, it never came up. <laughs> But but I like the idea too that it, it kind of tricked you in that way and uh, spoilers for a, I guess. Uh, spoilers for a different game uh, that being Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice I that I love the way that that game kind of plays with this a similar idea where they tell you at the beginning of the game if you die too many times there 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 will be permadeath and you have to start the game over again um, but that's actually not true really oh yeah. so about that the whole time. Yeah, yeah, we, it, we it's, like, it's showing that. the corruption on like Senua's arm. Yeah, you and see it's like the, the more the more you die, the more corruption goes up the arm, and eventually you'll die from it. But that's not actually how it, it's it, it it tells you that, but it, it tricks you on purpose. To, oh, to I fell for it then. They got me. Those filthy game developers. Yeah, so it's a very similar situation to this, where it's like you thought you needed to conserve those. So I I also didn't use the uh, inhaler the first time uh, as well, assuming that I would need it later, and then it never came up again. It's that gamer, right. that gamer brain. We got that gamer juice going on. Yeah, like it's, it's also, it's also the the thing where they, uh, whenever you get out of a cutscene and the game points you in a direction, you always turn around to make sure there's nothing like no behind goodies you. behind you. Yeah, yeah, so that you can get a check behind the corner. All right. So then our next character is Dumont, which is our host, which is this dude. But it turns out this dude is just for some reason he has his kid there and they're leading us out to the island. I don't think we ever uncovered why he was there. Maybe we didn't find the right lore bits or didn't read them good enough, but it it does explain it, but it sounds like you guys didn't either collect the right clues or get the specific ending that is required to know more. Yeah. Cause it actually explains it both in the, the ending where everyone lives and also the ending where everyone dies. Okay, we, we did not do that. We, <laughs> you didn't we lost do either one of them. Except for one person and yeah. our final character, which is Connie the dog. Yes. Yes, yeah. the dog is the, the best guy, best boy. Yeah. Or girl. You can, you can save the dog too if you yeah, want. We saved the dog. Oh, yeah. I saved the dog. Yep. But, so yeah. the dog technically survived as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think we can hit the story now that we've kind of covered most of the characters. There's also the killer, which is an H.H. Holmes copycat or. Maybe he has the devil in him, and he oh. needs to be covered in concrete so he doesn't do it again or Go something. Get, get all what's, up. The, what's the big quote at the beginning? And I'm like, man, I should probably write that down to put it in the podcast. Oh, yeah. He says, I think it's something he actually said, but I don't remember. 
like word that he's got the devil in him or whatever, something like that. But yeah. um, so we also had we had a couple of ideas, and since we never found out, uh, I yeah, had an idea where the the guy is not actually a human; it's like an android, but or, or like a automaton, because there's a lot of like automaton imagery and stuff like that in this game. And uh, there's a specific moment that happened to us where we trapped him in a hallway, and then he immediately appeared again. So I was like thinking more like the uh what is it the the helping men or whatever from alien isolation you we mm. we figured out the what's synth. the hell are they they're not called synth they're called something else uh, uh, worker, worker joes, joe's. yeah, yeah worker it. joes the worker joe is oh my god <laughs> so are you saying they're just like clockwork people or something yeah maybe there's a lot of automation in the fortress like or not the fortress the not the museum the hotel where you see like moving walls and some pretty advanced technology to be just like crammed into this place. So Ryan probably knows, so, but we're just sitting here spitballing. We don't really, me and Philip personally don't know. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I mean, you got any more for the characters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually like when I was playing, I thought something similar where there was actually a different killer. And then the kill that was building the automatons, including the HH Holmes, you know, copycat killer. Yeah. Um, and, and that, so I, I think we were all on the same lines where I thought there might've been multiple killers. Yeah. No. I, we thought there was multiple for sure because yeah, there was no. like some impossibilities of how fast he could move. But no, it was just very much a Friday, the 13th kind of situation. Oh, where like, it? no, it's just oh. a normal dude who just likes to murder oh, people. We're never going to talk about that at the end, which, uh, yeah. did you get everyone to survive in your playthrough? So my first playthrough, everyone died. I always oh. like when that playthrough first in these games. That's um, on purpose. On purpose. Um, oh, okay. So that's what I did this time around. And then I play, did the playthrough where everyone lives. And then I kind of, you know, go in between that. Um, just because I always, I, I, I don't know. I think it's fun to to see the possibilities. But I also like, I don't kill all the characters right away. Like I always try and see like how far I can get them, get to the end of wherever the story goes before murdering everyone. Um, and yeah. again, since y'all didn't play it, Oh my god, the ending where everyone dies this time around is amazing. Like they did they really went there <laughs> with that ending in particular in a way that they've never done in any of these games before cuz a lot of times it's just like, well, okay, all the characters are dead now and what the killer a sad got story. away. Try and it's kind of it's a sad story. It goes back to the curator. He's like, "Well, I guess you murdered everyone." And then you go about your day. But no, this time around there's like this whole like sequence that happens for like 20 minutes after everyone's dead uh and oh my god it, it fills in a lot of gaps in the story um but then also it just presents a lot of new and interesting ideas so um i really liked the way that they handled that ending this time around and i actually think it was honestly a better ending than the ending where everyone lived because the ending where everyone lived you know it's your your typical happy ending kind of thing um whereas the yeah. one where everyone died was just like was really interesting and cool so i like what they did with that this time i might need to look this up on youtubers i mean i guess i could just play yeah, it myself game. huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know why i said that the game. yeah because uh, likewise see. like since you didn't see that did um the game ever explain to you why they were bringing people to the island or how they were getting no. people to be like getting people to bring people to the island. Cause like the way that they explain that is just really, really cool. No, we never figured that out. Oh, we almost got at the ending where everyone died because only one guy lived. So, I mean, right. I, I'm kind of, and we didn't even, there's no, there's, I don't think there's an achievement for just beating the game. There's only achievement for beating the game with everyone living, then with everyone dying. And then there's an achievement for beating the game with the dog surviving yeah. which is yeah. what we got 
Which is the, <laughs> the goodest ending, maybe? Also, the goodest good. ending. Funny enough, in the ending where everyone died in my playthrough, the dog still lived. Even the curator is like, at the end is like, you managed to kill everyone except for the dog who managed to get away. <laughs> he like specifically point out the fact that, that I helped the dog ex- escape the island. But also, in order to get the ending that I'm referring to, because I'm, I'm looking through y'all's notes, and I noticed that I think one of the people I think dies in the boat, on the boat at the end. And that's the reason why y'all didn't see what I saw, because uh, I had two characters that were still living before um, you get to the boat at the end. Um, but because of my choices, they um, they ended up being captured by the killer. And then that's what brought on the end. Oh. everyone died. And it even does a fake out thing where I thought they actually ended up living, but they end up actually not living in the end, which is, which is <laughs> oh, just okay. So, all right. So I just put in some random story elements. Like we're not going to go beat by beat. Uh, just some some things that stuck out to me. How in the beginning, Nave was playing as uh, Charlie, Charlie or whatever, and this is whenever he caught his eavesdropping on him. Where basically I'm having a uh, a telenueva with my exes talking to each <laughs> other upstairs about how we were giving up on our dreams and now we're stuck with this dirtbag Charlie and he's such a jerk and how maybe we should just get back together, but we have limits. We need to move on. Meanwhile, Nave is spending forty five minutes trying to smoke where he's just walking around. <laughs> trying to find cigarettes and i'm like because the whole point was like we were going to sneak out and basically break the rules and try to record some stuff like without charlie being a dick director mm-hmm. and it's so funny because like at this point nave had nothing to do with the story yeah. at this point he was just wasting time trying to find cigarettes while i was actually going through the plot it's uh, one there's that brings up one thing that I, i'll probably forget about if i don't talk about it right now and that is like while we are both like doing simultaneous stuff like getting like this knowledge and stuff and you can communicate in your party or do whatever you want but there are invisible lines that once you cross it'll just teleport your partner to whatever they're supposed to be doing and that it actually infuriated me because multiple times i'd be really interested yeah. like walking around exploring yeah. the environment and looking at stuff and then philip would yeet me three buildings forward and because i was taking my sweet ass time like looking at stuff and getting uh collectibles and like lore and philip would be doing a very simple like walk down a hallway thing and that would be there would be a real inconsistency with like the amount of stuff that one of us would be doing at any given time which isn't like a huge drawback but just be just be aware that that's probably going to happen to you if you if you one of you or both of you are inquisitive. Yeah. Uh, next kind of story be that I thought was quite silly was that we faked a leg energy injury so we could get, walk around and get some shots basically away from the group, and instantly I failed the quick time event. So we were hiding behind some yeah. bushes from the group, and they were like, "Hide here!" And I'm like, "Oh, press A to hide." Instantly fails the, the check because it's like yes. you're not supposed to instantly press A. You're supposed to wait a second and press A or whatever with the beats. I'm like, "Crap!" And so my character just stands up and just makes direct <laughs> eye contact with the group. It was like, God. Did you have any moments like that, Ryan, where it's just like failed quick time events, making everything so goofy? No, well, I should say intentional ones towards the end, um, because uh, like the quick time events are are actually pretty easy to do. I think, yeah, uh, in this game. Um, so for the most part, I was only you know failing them when I was intentionally failing them, and some of them were just like you're hiding behind the door, and then all of a sudden you're, you, you, you the the heartbeat comes up, and I just don't press it. And there's like 
Oh, yeah, they just, 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 just looked at them and, like, and, yeah. and they just kind of look at each other and he just burns them. So this there's like a that. problem in this game where um, there is desync issues when you're playing online, especially with the heartbeat one where you're supposed to do it in time. And there is only so there's like maybe five or six times throughout the game that you do it. And usually it would just fail randomly for me. And it would say on my screen that Philip failed it. And Philip would say it would say that I failed it. Yeah. And so it, but I would be streaming. So. I'm like, I'd be streaming and there'd be people watching. So I'm like, I could prove that it wasn't me. I was doing it. But uh, there was one time specifically where it did work. And I it happened to be where me and Philip were separated. And so I wonder if like the simultaneous ones are the ones that, you know, are really impossible to do online or something like that. Yeah, I imagine that not, not being an easy thing for sure, because it's already kind of frustrating even when you're playing by yourself, because it's still not, you know, amazingly accurate. Um, yeah. and I can only imagine that just is even more heightened by, you know, the addition of latency on top <laughs> of that. So yeah, I, I imagine that's definitely not an easy thing to do, especially if y'all are tr- have to coordinate a little bit on that too. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a, a bit of a mess, but and it's one of the reasons why, um, I don't know if either of y'all played, uh, the quarry, which came out early, early in 2022 as well from, from Supermassive nope. as well. It's on the um, list. Okay, because the hiding mechanic in that game I liked a lot better where it's like instead of doing the heartbeat sensor and having a quick time event, you're, you have to hide and then hold down, um, I think it's the, the A button on Xbox until the, you see the danger pass. And then basically because you're able to see what your character can see um, during the yeah. danger moments. And as you see the, 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 the threat walk by you, as an example, and as you see, as, when you see the, that it, it's safe to find the move, you just let go of the A button and then go. But if you don't let go of it quick enough and you miss your window, you'll then get caught. Um, so you kind of have to like pick your window and stuff like that. But that's, it, it, I think that system accounts better for latency in what you get, y'all were trying to do with the online stuff, I think. It might have been better served in the dark picture themes. And the only reason I don't think they brought that system into this one is just because um, they're all built on the same engine. So they're obviously not going to change a lot of these <laughs> the mechanics around. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not like a game ruining, but it is immersion breaking that kind of stuff with the online. And so I imagine if you're, if you're someone who froths at the mouth when glitches happen, then you, you might not, you might want to play this game in movie night mode, but um, if you're someone who likes to laugh at this kind of stuff, me and Philip had a hell of a time laughing at some of the silly things that would happen. So silly, which you get, it's so hard to make horror horror in a co-op environment. We've talked about this before yeah. in other games, but once you add another person to it, it just gets goofy. We talked about it in Dead Space Three. We've talked about it in um, I don't know what what other horror games have we played. I don't I mean, even know, but it comes up the Man of Madon. Man of Madon, yeah, like it, it's just silly. It, but that's kind of like the beauty of it is it's like the B horror movie type silly yeah. which, it's, a, it's the reason why you you decide to pull out a copy of J- friday 13th part 8 jason takes manhattan just like well that's what i'm <laughs> doing tonight yeah uh which some of the silly story beats that also didn't seem to make much sense at the time but i assume makes sense if you knew everything was like we go to dinner because we're supposed to meet dumont at dinner because he told us be there at eight and i'm like that's awfully late for dinner but whatever we go down there and he already tried to leave the island with his kid or whatever. He ends up not making it very sad. But we get there and everyone's upset because there's no food at dinner. It's just a table with wine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, we didn't get to eat, even though we waited so long. I bet everybody's so hungry. And this is where we have like a uh, a come to Jesus moment with Charlie yelling at everyone and then basically getting right back on his side. So that worked out. 
But then we end up going on a big Scooby-Doo chase around where we're running through doors. We're running from the killer and stuff like that. And then we come back in the room and now there's mannequins that look just like us. And they're having the same conversation. I don't know why this happened. Spooky. is it spooky or is it just stupid that they put it there? Because I maybe be it's spooky. I mean, I would be and spooked too. They hit, so the back, they hit the back of one of the mannequins and an eyeball flies out too. Like the never soft eyeball. Like a real like eyeball? Tony like Hawk. a real eyeball. So yeah, you're telling and, me um, androids? They just well, need more parts? I don't know if like maybe the mannequins are made. Like I think it's plaster over like real people or something. Because I, I, whenever yeah. I was in a area in the later uh, part of the game as Mark... Uh, I saw a guy that seemed to be alive still, and I ended up killing him, like electrocuting him to death, because mostly because he was screaming and the killer was walking around down there, and I was like, I've got to shut this guy up. And so I kill him, and he screams like, Aah! and I'm like, oh god, this is worse. This is way worse. Turns out nothing happens, but I mean, my logic yeah. was completely out of the window. I didn't, I didn't know what, it was like, kill him or don't. I didn't know it was didn't electrocute him. Do I didn't what? see that. I didn't. I didn't know that part because I was playing as stupid like Aaron, with carrying yeah. around my sound gun, basically listening to screams in the distance, going, "Huh, sounds like there's something going on in the other room." <laughs> <laughs> my little sound gun, another wall. I, which that's obviously like inspired from like uh, what is it? Um, Outlast. Yeah, with probably. the camera, the the amplified sound, which is a pretty cool mechanic in that game. But I mean, it's it, this game is obviously something completely different. It's trying to go for something else, but. Um, I really, I, I really like that, uh, that whole scene. In fact, that's that one time that I succeeded in the heartbeat thing. And it was actually a good tense scene because I was underneath the table and the, the killer was right there next to me, like chopping a body up or something. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but, uh, and then Philip the whole time is talking to me, asking me questions. <laughs> I'm like, shut up, shut up. I can't, I'm not gonna, this is going to be a bad situation. It's bad sitch. If I fuck this up. Well, meanwhile, like I think while you were doing that basically survival point, I had a moment to inspect some mannequins that had like a syringe and, and they were on a chair or something like that. And I'm like, I'm going to save that for last. And by the time I circled the room and got all the lore piece and started to head back over there, you hit an invisible trigger that teleported me out of the room. Or no, it, it, yeah. it triggered another walkie-talkie moment where it was like, hide in the locker. And I'm like, I guess I'll hide in the locker. Oh, that was a really cool. That was a really cool scene. How did that happen uh, with you, Ryan? Whenever you played this, did you, you played both endings solo, right? Yeah, I, I only played solo the entire time. So, uh, so yeah, you, you just played those sequences completely, not at the same time at all. Like you, you play them, you know, away from each other. So, um, oh, that's I'm interesting. I'm also trying to remember back exactly because it's been a while since I played this. Because it's been you have to remember it's been two months since I played this. So. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we, we don't blame you. So yeah. like Aaron is uh, searching through like a medical looking room. And she gets a call from Jamie on a walkie-talkie that's implanted in a mannequin. And she's like, hey, I got a message from the killer. You need to hide in a locker right now. And yeah. I chose that point to be really petty and be like, I saw your text messages. I know you called me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, of yeah, of course. Yeah. Because like Aaron's apparently really weak sauce and petty. And she doesn't even get paid for her job. She's just doing it for experience, which is really sad. And she's also getting <laughs> crippling death. Yeah. It's, it's not a good situation for Aaron. Once Don't again, worry. just very real. Yeah. Uh, it felt oh very God. real. It's so, it's so tra- That's more that. horrible than half the things that happened in this game. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so yeah, I remember where she she definitely I ha- had her hide in the, the locker as well because um I found out the, the 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 from one of the totems I think or not totems the Different pictures uh, paintings um, yeah. that that if you don't hide in the locker you actually do die there so 
uh, we, I made sure to use we that. Didn't, we didn't talk about it. We talked about quick time events, the breathing uh, challenge. There's also these paintings spread around the dark pictures or pictures or whatever. And if you watch them, you get to see a possible fate. I always yeah. like this because this lets you experience like the kills without having to make the bad decision. And it gives yeah. you a chance to think like, oh, I, we need to be on the lookout for something like this. It gives you, a, I don't know, more of a reason to care, even though you're going to probably play the same way you were going to play before. Yeah, because it's it's interesting too because it gives you like a look in a look ahead and it gives you something to look out for. But usually it's all without context. So sometimes the person that dies, you don't even get to see who was dying. Sometimes you see a character that you're playing reacting to at death. So and sometimes I don't I don't know if they ever do it in the series, but like uh, there may, it might be possible that it's not even a character you control that dies and they they discover like a body or something. And so yeah, that it really kind of keeps you. But okay. uh, the real question is, did y'all find? the 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 picture of the death to avoid in the next game. Oh, really? What? That's a thing. That's a thing. So every, every in each dark pictures anthology game, there is one picture frame around in the environment that if you find it, it shows you a kill from the next game. To, and it, and it tees up what the next game is going to be That's because they fantastic. Because as you know, when you run the when you roll credits in this game, it also gives, it gives you, you the trailer. The trailer. Yeah. to announce whatever the next game is going to be. Um, so th- it was really cool, like, of course, finding um, the kill. It's like, oh, I guess when I'm on a spacewalk, avoid doing this, because the next game is going to be sci- a sci-fi horror game. Um, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, that's really cool. So always, whenever you replay these games, always be on the lookout for those, because they're they're always, like, super interesting. And plus, like, a lot of times what happens, too, is because um, they make those before the game comes out. Sometimes they actually change some of the the stuff about the scene itself or the way it looks. So if you play the games back to back, you might notice some differences between um, the picture frame there versus what you see in the final product, which is always interesting from a game development side. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well. All right. So um, let's roll through or what you got, Nave. I was going to ask if you guys have like favorite characters. I know we flew past characters already, but I was just thinking about mark being the best boy and all yeah i wonder mark if you guys the had best different boy. opinions i don't know I, I get really attached to kate because i was playing her a lot which i was gonna say like the reason i played kate so much is because we intentionally killed off all the other characters besides kate every time we had a chance yeah <laughs> it's pretty, i don't know yeah for me it was charlie I, honestly, I, I love oh, yeah. Charlie and it, like how, how he just wanted to smoke. That's all he wanted yeah. to do the so, entire time was just have a cigarette. And he just couldn't do it. But Charlie was the he, first it, dead in yeah. our game. Right. I, I want to talk about that, too. But we'll, we'll talk. I think at the end of all this, we'll talk about how our characters died and all that. But um, yeah, I really liked Charlie as well. And I was visibly upset when he died. I, yeah, I was so, like frothing. But it wasn't it wasn't really because he died or because the the circumstances. It was. We'll talk about it. Well, no, I think we, we can pretty much start getting into the deaths at this point. Like, Charlie, he was just trying to smoke. And in our game, he goes into the he incinerator. Yeah, he got yeah. smoked. Which yeah, I thought he was so the cigarette himself. There's so many fitting jokes like that. that just come back around. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. So anyways, yeah. he he gets caught in the incinerator. And meanwhile, I start, I see all the... I know it's an incinerator because I got teleported in there. Because Nate <laughs> hit an invisible trigger. And it made me get teleported into the thing. And I'm like, this is an incinerator. I'm, I'm Charlie... <laughs> And Nate was like, hey, Philip, I see exactly a lever. what Philip said. That he, whenever he went in there, he's like, this is an accelerator. I'm Charlie. <laughs> yeah, much. And then, like, they was like, I see a trigger that has a flame picture on it. Should I pull the lever? And I'm like, don't pull that lever. I'm in the incinerator. That's going to Scooby-Doo blow my brains out, kill me, catch me on fire, whatever. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, I'm not going to pull it. 
And meanwhile, apparently, I think that was, that was supposed to save him or something. Yeah. yeah well, that's, that's the exactly thing. what you need to do to save him. Because Philip was at at some point, Philip was like, "Okay, I think you need to pull the lever," and I was like, "Okay, I'm pulling it now." And I pulled the lever all the way down, and he still died. Like that's it, because and, you have to do it twice. You have to oh, do it what? twice. What? Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Because if you pull the lever the first time instead of going for the door, he'll pull the lever and nothing happens. Um, so th- and, and then he, then once again, it gives you the choice to go for the door, or do the lever once more. And then oh. you have to do the lever twice. Well, that's interesting because I didn't. That's the thing. So I pulled the lever and we sat there for like 20 seconds as I stared at the pulled lever. And then the game pretended that I never pulled the lever because he was like, I feel so guilty. I should have pulled the lever. Maybe I could have did something. And so I never even got the opportunity to go to a door or anything. So I think the game genuinely did bug out on us because like so you have when you pull it, it, it free, it cuts to the door and everything. And then you do so, or do you have to actively do it so, a second yeah, time because there's a quick time event that happens with the door because with the lever what happens is it reveals a grate on the ground that you then are able to pull up on the grate to escape that's how that works oh yeah um, we never uh, got any of that yeah but yeah, you have to but yeah you have to do that to, in order to get to that so, but yeah if you go for the door um at all during that sequence um when the door is an option you you just you just die oh that's sad i really like charlie yeah, yeah I, I was freaking I was frothing at the mouth because in my first playthrough where everyone died, I wasn't expecting Charlie to die in the incinerator because I thought the door was actually the way he was supposed to get out. So I went for the door twice and then he like almost gets the door handle, but just doesn't yeah. quite get there and he burns to death. And I was very sad because I like Charlie as well. So our second death was Aaron, right? Uh, yeah, Aaron. It? No, it was Aaron. Because, okay. uh, because of course she had an inhaler, but it didn't help her breathe. Because yeah. she went into it in <laughs> a fixed, like, weird, like bins chamber or something like that, pressurized chamber, and we had to depressurize or de-air one of the rooms. You okay? Baby had a cough, and so we had to depressurize one of the rooms to either save Kate or save Aaron. And we let Aaron die because she's in crippling debt. Yeah, we gave her the the the. The, the way, yeah, yeah, and also it seemed like she again she was the one with asthma. It seemed fitting that she asphyxiated. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so sad. Whereas Aaron died in my first playthrough. Um, there was a section where she's alone in the dark, and yeah, uh, Dumont Doom comes up and, and offers her the inhaler, and I chose not to take the inhaler, and by and to attack instead, and that actually just ha- gets her killed because like she goes to oh, try really? and stab. Uh, Dumont the arm, uh, and he of course you know overpowers her and then just murders her right there. Oof! Is right, that uh, that's when you open the door and there was the mannequin in there, Philip? Is that the same yeah, part? I think so. I think it's the same part. I don't really remember that part because mostly like Aaron was just by herself running around in the dark. I was Aaron at that point, and I'm like, oh no, I'm running around in the dark with my sound gun. This sucks because <laughs> I didn't like playing as Aaron because Aaron kind of sucked. So the death that happened after that happened like pretty immediately. And that was, uh, yeah. Jamie, Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, uh, Jamie, which this is another weird moment where we had like a girl power moment where Jamie was teamed up with Kate and they were taking the fight back to Dumont. They took over the control room and they're trying to trap him. And this is where we started thinking that there was multiple killers because he just kind of couldn't be trapped and he would just kind of teleport around. It seemed, well, this is an interesting thing too because Jamie was Jamie. Jamie as a character was kind of fine, but um, 
this was kind of like a redemption arc for her because her and Kate didn't really get along for most of the time. And me and Philip, we role play when we play games like this. So we were accentuating that. Like anytime I was Jamie, I was actively like making fun of Kate at any chance I got. <laughs> but I was Jamie in this situation and um, I actually started turning it around. So there's a moment where you have a knife or something. I think it's a knife and you give it, you have an option to give it to Kate. And I was oh, like, okay, this makes sense. Oh, it was the screwdriver. So you, I was like, this makes sense because you know, Jamie's like, you know, turning it's the, good. an olive branch. You know what I mean? Yeah. For Kate, uh, this turns out to be fatal mistake. Number one, because I think you need the screwdriver in Jamie's possession so that she doesn't die. So actually what you need to do, because this can go either way, because if Jamie presses the button on the wall, um, then the wall will go towards Kate and if yeah. Kate and whoever has the screwdriver actually ends up living. So if Kate, if you give Kate the screwdriver, you can still have both live. You just have to make sure to press the button as Jamie to turn the wall. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So the, the trap dear listeners at home is a giant, like this is like a, a saw, type room where there's like let's play a game there's a button in the center you press it you live and the button is on jamie's side the wall is slowly moving like a star wars space compactor a trash compactor and we just jamie in our game sacrificed herself and just got the big squish so that kate could live yeah but the reason being is that uh, the button was facing Jamie's side. And so I assumed that Jamie would need to use that screwdriver to pop that thing open and somehow sabotage the machine. Yeah, so she knows we didn't even, right? We didn't even consider the, the, the idea that maybe Kate would be able to Scooby-Doo her way out of there. Because it's not it, she's not breaking out of it. It's just, it's glass. So she's able to break Stab through it, it using the screwdriver. Oh. Okay. Oh, really? It's... Well, so uh, we assumed, especially with the asphyxiation room, we assumed it was like one or the other. When it gets, uh, how do you escape the asphyxiation room without killing someone? I don't remember it off the top of my head, but there is a way to do it. Uh, okay. Again, it's been a long time since I played it, so I'd have to, I'd have to go look it up again. That's all right. All right. Our so, very last death. Was that our last death? No. You, you, you were there, Philip. Oh. Well, no, I mean, there's a little bit that happened. Like, we had a whole, like, Resident Evil 4 yeah, reference below Palooza. We're like, oh, look, it's the mansion where, like, the weird little zombie kid is. Oh, look, there's the hedge maze. Oh, look, there's the boat on the lake. As, like, we were just, like, doing all this stuff. Yeah, we, you have to go light the lighthouses, Mark. Meanwhile, I'm running from the killer with my crystal. <laughs> and yeah. uh, this is really unfortunate is that we get the lighthouse lit and the police show up and... The police instantly pulls his gun on on Mark, which is a little problematic because Mark's black, as it turns out. And he's like, "What's yeah, going on?" Because it's fun to fight. It was it was a little ugh, at the moment. Uh, the killer kills the cop. Doesn't matter. And Nave's like, "I'm going for the gun." And I'm like, "No, Nave, don't go for the gun." He's like, "I'm going for the Look, gun." It's, it's super funny too because the cop is like facing away from his like police boat, and there's a like a fucking Molotov cocktail from Counter Strike. It just <laughs> yeah. falls in the middle of the boat while he's not looking at it, and it's just so it's so funny. All right, uh, let's see. And then we eventually get to the killer's boat, I think, and he happened to have the keys, and we get it started. And this is where our big finale happened. That made the game for us this like this nave said it was worth the entire game just to get this ending that we got uh so ryan i think nave wants you to watch that clip oh i just watched it yeah now we gotta go back are we gonna go back for that dog oh no 
Seriously? Yeah. It, that the <laughs> all right, Phil. If you want to describe what happens in the clip, we're gonna have it on Instagram and stuff. I might repost it underneath the the post for this episode and stuff. But this clip right. is great. The last five minutes is very high octane of us. Basically, Mark is fighting the killer, and I'm trying to. Uh, Kate is trying to hold on to the boat and not get washed away. And finally, she gets a moment to like get in there and bonk the killer with uh, something else. And I think we end up stabbing him with the anchor, like Nautilus style from League of Legends, and yeah. throwing him off the boat where he gets chopped up in the hamburger meat. And we like look at each other and we're like, we did it. But then instantly we look up ahead of us and there's a huge rock in the center of the lake and we are going max speed on this boat. This boat has to be going like 90 miles an hour on the water. This is an insane speed boat. It is so fast. And then I, at this point, we're, I just want to control it down. Yeah, yeah. It's a quick time event. And it's like, just press A. I have made like every quick time event up to this point and I realize I'm not going to make it. And I don't even know what I say. I think everything. You go. You go, oh no. And the, the boat flies. Mark jumps off. Kate's just standing there, staring at the rock, and it flies into the rock, explodes. And I am like wheezing because it's it's such a funny, like, it's so anticlimactic the way that she died. But yeah, it's also. Just, it just died. And it's also because now that it's clipped, I was able to look, and I thought Kate's body, like, ragdoll flew away. Like, you remember in It Takes Two where you crashed into the semi truck and I flew out of the back of the truck? Yeah. It's, that's something that's imprinted in my brain. But oh, uh, no, it wasn't It Takes Two, yeah. A Way Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought her body ragdolled and flew away, but actually, what happens is she just continues through the rock. <laughs> which is almost funnier. Which is funny because it's like you normally you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell. But yeah, so Mark and the whole time also, so we had just killed the killer right before the quick time event. We're debating we're like, what happened to the dog? Because the killer throws the dog off the boat. I'm like, we need to go back for the dog. We're like, <laughs> like having a conversation about that, and that's when the death happens. It's so sudden. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, there is a dog that we each have a moment of like, do we kill the dog because it's barking? And you didn't kill the dog. <laughs> I also did not kill a dog. I'm like, I will die for this dog. And the dog ends up uh, attacking the killer at one point, like slowing him down so we can get away. Yeah. Actually, that that death actually with Kate got me in my playthrough where I was trying to save everyone to the point where I, was, I almost threw my controller. I was like, really? Okay, I guess I got to do that entire sequence again. Just it is a long the sequence. With the cop yeah. and you surviving, like Kate's running, hiding the lockers and stuff. It's a lot in the final chapter. This game nails the finale so good. It's really good, yeah. And I think the finales in in the other Dark Pictures anthology games are are just as good too. Like the the House of Ashes finale is also like really, really, really good as well. And I know neither of y'all finished it, so um, if you do go back and play that one, I, I'm curious to know what you think about that finale because it's really good too. Yeah, and I really liked that that one because me and uh, my group of friends we really got into character and stuff. Like since you when you play in movie night mode, you are assigned a character. So every time that's the primary character. Uh, so I was playing the uh, what is it the the head like guy <laughs> like I yeah. can't remember. He looks like Johnny Cage, and I was right. playing him like the most straight laced military <laughs> man, like no white phosphorus, no nothing. And it's like uh, it's so fun playing these games. And th- uh, what I was trying to get at was 
House of Ashes was probably my favorite one as far as the character like roleplay was concerned. Because yeah. usually there's like a binary, right? It, what you're, what you're, you want your character to be nice, funny, whatever, or mean, angry all the time, and um, it's fun kind of like imprinting what your first impressions are onto mm-hmm. these guys. All right, uh, and we got the sole survivor. We only had one person, and we had a little news blurb ending that covered it. And I think that covers our story. So, Ryan, do you have any story bits or meat points you want to talk about? No, I think we covered most of the major ones. Um, I will say, and I talked about this because I, I ended up doing a review for for Carpool as well for this game. Um, you know, one of the things that you know kind of infuriated me playing by myself was getting lost in the hotel as it kind of shifted around and kind of going down the same corridors over and over again, I wasn't, you know, a huge fan <laughs> of that, but for the most part, you know, I thought this, this game was pretty well done. I think it was, it's definitely one of my favorite, you know, dark pictures anthology games um, in the series. Like the only one I like more is house of ashes. And even then, like they're pretty close together. Like I like both of them a lot for different reasons. And not only that too, yeah. what was really refreshing about this one. Um, and I say this in my review too, but like, we don't, we don't get a lot of slasher genre stuff in video games like we get in a ton of it in movies sure when it comes to, yeah. to horror movies but like other than the stuff like the friday the 13th the game or dead by daylight or outlast like you don't really yeah. see stuff in like the slasher genre in in horror games so it was just really refreshing to play, play like a a slasher style movie based video game like i thought that was like really really like a, a really refreshing thing about this game and thought it was really cool but yeah Overall, I like, yeah. <laughs> I like the story. I think it's pretty good. And I don't really have like a, any other story beats to, to cover besides the one we covered here. I think that's I, pretty... Or what, you got something before we go to final words? I was just going to say that... Well, we I can do it in my final words. Let's do that. All right, let's take a break and then we'll hit our final words. The music plays. And we're back. Dead... No, not Dead by Daylight. Devil in Me. The game of the week. A game about shooting a movie that doesn't go very well. Man, I was just coffee. going ham over there. <laughs> he's got yeah. a lot of spit that he's got to get out. <laughs> he's just staring up. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys doing here? Yeah. He's just like looking right at me, open mouth coughing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do about this, Dad? <laughs> All right. So I always take the first final words. This game is fantastic. Uh, now, the price point is a little high, but maybe you can get your friends chip in. It would definitely be worth it or get it on sale. But I really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed like all the dark anthologies we've played so far. And I am super hyped for the next one. Horror in space. I love me some aliens. I am very excited to play the next one. We definitely need to do it for the pod next November, October, whenever it comes out. But this is going to be a recommend for me. Uh, I recommend movie night mode specifically. The shared story, while fun, is definitely a, a handicapped version of the movie night, which I think is the intended play for this game and that's all i gotta say about this one it's, it's worth it go play it i i would like to highlight so um the comedic value in this game is is through the roof there's so many scooby-doo traps and i'm saying literal scooby-doo tra- multiple <laughs> multiple trap, trap doors, doors where you fall down sometimes hitting your head is very slapsticky in some ways but i every single time like specifically i i have one in my head where mark is standing in the corner and then he just vanishes he just goes straight <laughs> down it's so funny um the games uh, like super massive's problem with kind of like that uncanny valley is still here um and so you got to it takes a little while to get used to how they look and how they move and stuff like that 
But um, the game itself is very campy and fun. And if you're a fan of horror, you're going to love this. And like Ryan was saying, th- there's not a lot of slasher stuff. So it was very refreshing to have. It's not the grudge girl or whatever. Like it's like usually a very similar type of horror in a lot of uh, video games. Yeah. Every horror game is fear deep down or Silent Hill. Yeah. Or Resident Evil or or yeah, there's no zombies or anything like that. Like, I, yeah, I like how different the, the, the Dark Pictures games are. And, and again, this one felt really different from from a lot of other stuff and and yeah i'm 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 with you as far as this being a recommend for me like especially if you're into horror games at all i think you're really digging i also think this is a really good game to play by yourself because i still think there's a lot of enjoyment to be had there um also if you're looking for a game with good replay value i think there's a lot of reasons to replay this one especially because like i mentioned the good ending and the bad ending are very different from each other and even the permutations in between are very different plus you've got the curator's cut to to go back to as well um which puts another spin on the gameplay so um i think there's a lot of replay value for what you get and and i wouldn't that's why i wouldn't value it by you know 30 30 for four hours i look at it more like you know you're going to probably want to play through this at least twice um, and not only that too, but if you play single player versus what y'all described, since you're playing through all the elements yourself, it takes longer to go through it. Like it for me, oh, the, yeah, the playthrough wasn't four hours. It took, you know, six to eight hours for my playthrough where everyone lived be, watching all the cutscenes yeah. because I'm doing everything myself. Um, like the multiple moments were happening at the same time and there was none of the teleportation stuff. So if you're doing everything yourself, you ha- there's a lot of game there if you're going to go the single player route. So, uh, and, and especially too, it's one of those things where I also think horror games shouldn't be super long anyways, because then they out, kind of, uh, you know, um, out like they, they outlive their welcome kind of like alien, alien isolation. You brought it up earlier. Like that's a perfect example of that, yeah. where that game didn't need to be 25 hours. Yes. It's good. Bang <laughs> for your five hours. Yes. It's so long, dude. Yeah. I never you realized. don't like two hours. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come back to this later. Yeah, you do, it, that game didn't. There was like a specific section of the game in Alien Isolation where the game should have just ended, but they didn't end it there. It just go keeps going, and I was like, okay, maybe it's coming to the end soon, and it keeps going and going and going. Oh my so, god! Get horror games you shouldn't do that with because it breaks the formula. So I actually liked the idea of this being shorter, kind of like a Resident Evil, because Resident Evil yeah. Two is also like when it came out, it was a you know a sixty dollar game for a five hour experience that you then replay multiple times. So that that's what I equate this to as well, as far as your monetary value. Okay. So. I strike my monetary value complaint for my review. I have been changed. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I think that's, that's the way to look at a game like this. Whereas, you know, if you're only going to play it once, then it's definitely more of a rental or a library pickup or something like that. I mean, I got it from the library and I'm not regretting it. Yeah. Oh, one thing, I'd, if I would step into your final words, this is a double A title. There's some odd animations. Some of the models look a little off, mm-hmm. and it, this is not it the new Resident Evil. That contributed to my idea that maybe the killer was an animatronic because there's one. Uh, there was one scene in particular where there's a real close up on the back of his head, and it. I was like, is his is he a porcelain man? Like, is he himself a mannequin? I couldn't really, but I was like, is this just a, a silly looking model? And I was staring too hard at it or what was that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Ryan knows everything. Uh, we, we still are very ignorant. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about that, but yeah, there, there it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's, uh, more simple than you think actually, which is interesting, but yeah. So overall, it was I Charlie. Think it's a great pickup. He was the killer really, with the dog. It was, it was the dog the whole time, just like in silent Hill too. Yeah, the, the dog. The yeah, exactly. 
Oh man, if more games need horror horror endings with where the dog is the killer. I have a picture with that with that dog on the thing, and it says it was your doing all along, or whatever it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever he uh, says, what he walks says. In. Yeah. Oh my god, that's that's such a good ending. Oh my god, I love the the song, the little bark, 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 bark. The place. Yeah. That's exactly how it sounds. I'm yes. so I'm so excited to actually see what they do in the Silent Hill remake, the Silent Hill remake to see a, to see the dog ending in that game. It's gonna be great. But, uh, right there, you go. Arthur's throwing Arthur's going ham again. Um, yeah, he's getting big anger. He's very excited about the Dark Pictures anthology. Let me tell you what. All right, so <laughs> I think those are excellent final words. Oh, he is farting or pooping real hard, everyone. Dear <laughs> listeners, tell me is letting it rip. All right, so Ryan, thank you. Um, you want to talk about your? Uh, you want to plug your stuff again while yeah. I mute Phillips, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can you can of course find us over on uh, Twitter at Carpool Gaming as well as on YouTube, youtube.com slash carpool gaming. All of our podcasts are also on all the podcast services as well. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all the, the places like that. Of course, the shows are Xbox Drive, the PlayStation Drive, the Nintendo Drive, the RPG Cave, and We the Gamercast. Uh, you can find more of me though on the RPG Cave, our weekly our role-playing game podcast, um, as well as the Xbox Drive, our weekly Xbox podcast uh, on podcast services or on YouTube. And as well, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm over there at Ryan Turford as well. Hell yeah, go give him five stars on all of those. Listener, listen to me. This is directly a, this is a personalized message for you, Cameron. You need to give them five stars and everything. And also, Phil, we forgot to do the, uh, the Patreon thing. Uh, what kind of we do a Patreon? Uh, well, it's not exclusive, but we do another show called Listening Together, where we listen to OSTs for video games. Do you have like an OST that you really enjoy that you think maybe we should check out on that? Uh well, if you want like multiple soundtracks, or I'll give you just one from from the game. It's Final Fantasy fourteen, one of the best soundtracks Ooh. of all time. Especially, I, I would say specifically the Final Fantasy fourteen Shadowbringer soundtrack is incredible it's composed by matsuhiro soken uh and it's one of the best modern video game soundtracks in my opinion out there it's so 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 good but you know i, I love classic soundtracks too so super metroid any of the Mega Man soundtracks stuff like that i love too so nice oh yeah for our last one we did uh dicey dungeons oh, nice. which that should be coming out on the 15th or it's already available now on our patreon dear non-paying listeners so if you want to support us go there or if you really want to support us, go check out Ryan on his RPG cave. I've listened to, I think, three episodes at this point, and you're definitely going to make it into the rotation. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you so much once again for the invite today, you guys. This was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So let's have some more fun. Nave, what are we playing next week? Streets of Rage, baby. Should yeah, we play the Streets other ones? We, we already knocked out the first one, but... I mean, if the other game, if the other two games are just as short as this, then maybe we should... Well, Check other three games, I'm going to stand we, by and correct you because Streets of Rage 4 is also amazing, too. But We've done a full uh, two-hour discussion on 4. Yeah, oh, okay. So, yeah, actually, at least make sure you play Streets of Rage 2 because it's, like, it's really, really, really good. It's way better than the first one, I think. So, uh, Can you, I mean, can you, can do you stomach it. one more, Philip? Because I am notorious for team killing in those games. I, it's the favorite thing to do. If I ever get a dagger, I'm going to throw it in the back of Philip, wherever he's at. Yeah, I mean, for for God's sakes, in Streets of Rage three, you play you can play as a kangaroo if you want to. Just throwing it out there. That's an I. That's a thing. 
We also, in the first game, we played the Japanese version, and so at the end, you have to do, there's like a part where it's like, join me or don't with the bad guy, and we didn't know what he said, so we both picked different things, and then we got the ending where we had to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one wanted to join Mr. X and one didn't. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, and then Philip was like, I, I gotta figure out what we said. <laughs> yeah, I gotta look this up now. All, all right. right. So, how about you join us next week, co-op partners? And maybe we can all crash a boat into a rock together. Oh, save the dog. Don't kill dogs in games. <laughs> you can say bye to you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>